This is just the best part of my day. Nope, scratch that, reverse. I hope that that is Bono's origin story, is that the kids on the playground used to call him Boner, and he's like, I'll show you, I'll show you when I become a famous music man. And then he would see another kid's little weenie in gym class and go, oh, you too. And that's, <laughs> where, that's where the name And that's where he went. From, yeah. And that's why, and he used to practice the style of sexual arousal where he would get really close to coming and then not do it. And he was like, and I shall call you Edge. <laughs> uh, and the other members of you two. Uh, Nobody we, knows those freaking we, Adam Clay, 2,000 pounds. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> people only know. And I can't remember the other one. It's like Larry Mullen Sr.'s son or something like that. Oh, yeah, Larry Mullen Jr. Larry Mullen Jr. Yeah. There you go. So I guess I do know the members of YouTube, but only the but only <laughs> because of you talking YouTube to me. And I do think I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to ask. Oh, are we recording? Because I didn't know that we were recording. We were recording. I like to yeah. I like to stealth it in there. I like a very casual beginning. I like a I like a sort of uh, easy listening. You know, like you're just hanging out. Like you walked in on a conversation yeah. that happens to be a structured discussion of a film for a podcast. Okay. Are, so are we are we are uh, we recording? We are recording. Alright, okay. Time to get out all your all your slanderous uh, statements. Uh, okay. Uh, how to be a good podcast guest. How to be a good podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, so uh, so I was walking down the street the other day <laughs> and I heard a guy say, "Look at me, I'm." Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. This is good. No, this, no, this, is, this is prime material. Oh, okay. okay, we're gonna workshop this. So, what if you were walking down the street the other day and you heard someone today say that they didn't care for I don't know, like the brave Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan in the years nineteen eighties? In the years nineteen eighties, you're walking yeah, down the street. Like, you're a young Bono. You're yeah, walking down the street <laughs> of Dublin, Ireland, and, and you I'm, hear you someone are the world. say, "You are the children." Oh, I don't care for the Mujahideen. I would say. You pack your white ass up and <laughs> and get out of this American country. That's very good. So that's what I would say. Mm, okay. So, uh, oh, sorry. One note: you did violate the base reality established that Bono was in Dublin, Ireland, when he heard this. I mean, Dublin, Ireland is an American colony, right? <laughs> it's, an American. it's one of our. It's one of our. It's like uh, uh, Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. Yeah, mm -hmm. Washington D.C. Dublin, Guam. Ireland. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Guam. Guam. <laughs> Can you imagine Donald Trump saying Guam? Guam. I'm glad he doesn't know about Guam, because that would be really funny when he learns. <laughs> Guam. <laughs> like how gentle that was. Sometimes he puts on a little, a little voice like this, a little voice like this, and then he gets deep and raspy, but still high. And it's such a shame, because that would have made him like a really good voice actor but he yeah. just took a different he took a different path yeah yeah if he has leveraged his celebrity to being like the villain in the new disney movie wish you know <laughs> i think he would honestly kill i'm not i'm yeah. not joking i think he would slay that part but unfortunately 
a lot has happened, and it really killed his career. That's what you get for speaking out in liberal Hollywood. <laughs> you become a Republican president for four years, and suddenly they don't want to put and you the, in the and movies the probable anymore. next president as well. <laughs> and the most likely subsequent president. Yeah. Um, they just they true, blackness you in Hollywood. If that's true, should I relapse and just start over again? I think so. That's yeah. a real, because uh, you famously uh, declared sobriety on the night of Trump's first election. Wow. And I think it's time. we got to reset that clock. I'm yeah. sorry. The shot clock. Yeah. You know, the, the, shot the, clock, Knicks, the literal the shot Knicks clock. The Knicks have pro- pro- possession of the ball now, and so the shot clock has reset. Yeah, and that's what's kind of uh, definitely terrifying. But we don't have to worry about that until next year. But yeah, famously, me and Kevin were together seven Seven years ago, four score. Four score and seven years wow. ago. Yeah, on, on election night, Where were we beat guys? up a traffic cone. We were in beautiful suburban St. Louis, Missouri. Wow. County. Uh, we were... Mm-hmm. We were in my townhouse that I lived on the on the bottom open floor of. It was it was me. Owned. It was Cat Scott. It was this Joe was, Conroy. This was before we ate too much avocado toast and and I couldn't oh. afford to live in a townhouse. Holy anymore. crap! You guys are the problem. It's us. Oh my god! You guys are the ones who are eating all the avocado toast. <laughs> Yeah. We're yeah. eating enough for the whole generation. I'm oh depleting my God. the generational bank account. No, don't do that. <laughs> ruining the housing market. I need a mortgage. People keep trying to sell me houses and I go, sorry. <laughs> I need diamonds. I need to buy diamonds. And I can't because you guys, with your freaking cappuccino drink, okay? Your cappuccino drink are all... Eating up all the avocado toast and making me not be able to buy my beautiful wifey a diamond. <laughs> it's personal. They're they're walking up to me and they're like, please, Kevin, please drink a black cup of coffee. Please drink a regular <laughs> cup of joe. And I'm like, and I'm sipping on my mocha choca frappa lapa. And I'm like, no way. Please, the coffee is just coffee flavored. It's coffee flavored coffee. <laughs> it's coffee flavored coffee. Please, please. It's coffee flavored coffee. <laughs> But I just don't listen. No, Cat. I'm too worried about pronouns. Sorry. <laughs> they, um, we... By the way, is my <laughs> mine. <laughs> and I'm Cat Scott, your other co-host. <laughs> no, Yara, you were going to ask a question. Oh, me. I was going to say, um, I was going to call attention. I haven't introduced myself. I'm a Yari Nadav Tall. I haven't well. introduced myself or the podcast at all. So, so we're just, we're in this real nebulous zone. We're kinda, <laughs> Who we're, knows if this is going to stay in the We're not cut. playing <laughs> by Washington's rules, okay? This is yeah. Charlie Wilson's rules. And yeah. he doesn't, he's not quite like every other senator. This yeah. is good time Charlie pod. <laughs> this is good time Charlie Pod. Uh, I was going to call attention to the fact that um, uh, we are both drinking, uh, Kevin and I are both drinking some non-alcoholic whiskey in honor of Charlie Wilson's war. And and the sobriety of two guests on the And the sobriety of 66.67% of who you're listening to right now. Absolutely. We are drinking alcohol-free whiskey, which what just brand? tastes like... It's called Monday. Monday. Yeah, I've had that. I have. And my thing about being a sober alcoholic is when I first tried Monday, there were like four flavors because it was sponsoring somebody's art event. And it was actually so much about this was funny because it was there were just different kinds of groups of people who would like come across this uh, like alcohol free alcohol. 
and or flavored spirit drink and um some people would be just kind of like really offended and be like what is the point of this and others would be like oh yeah this is nice because i don't i don't actually like drinking at these events and then there were people like me who had to try every single flavor multiple (laughs) times and then when i finally landed on i think probably the whiskey one i could not have just one i had to have like (laughs) five so then i had like five mocktails of alcohol free (laughs) whiskey flavored drink which is just a deeply silly thing to do because there's no bodily effect other than needing to pee later but slamming like nut cannot pace myself (laughs) just slamming these (laughs) there must be a there must be a cathartic effect though right because it's it's like dangerous dance yeah like uh you know i was at a i was um at a friend's band friends flex cool (laughs) (laughs) i was at a friend's uh uh, band's concert and it was on a rooftop and it was byob and everyone you know you know these rock and roll style people Mm -hmm. they're they're drinking um you know budweiser they're drinking natural light uh okay what's in it for me mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. then i went to a bodega i got a six pack of the gluten reduced non-alcoholic <laughs> upside dawn uh, i've um, had it i've had uh, it and i i actually did slam the whole thing yeah um i slammed the whole thing and i felt like i was a normal guy at a normal concert so there must be there must be just like mentally and freedom to yeah this. you're like i can drink six things that look like a beer yeah, with almost no adverse effects. Yeah. You know, I think liquid wa- liquid death does a similar thing, yeah, like the canned don't. water. Yeah. Except after a certain point, you do just feel like, oh, I'm just drinking water. The, but these things like taste like beer, and there is like an associative yeah. kind of like, oh, I'm at a concert, I'm drinking a beer. You know, there's there's something like that that I, that I, for better or worse, find enjoyable. Yeah, you, you find know? it kind Absolutely. of silly. Like it feels silly that it's happening to your body. Yeah, but it, it just something in your brain. It just it does a little trick. It, it's it's kind of like w- looking at those optical illusions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the magic like, eye oh, yeah. trippy. <laughs> oh, there's a spaceship <laughs> in my sobriety. There's a, fucking, there's mm-hmm. a big spaceship. Yeah, but it is. It can be kind of a. It can be kind of a a, a tricky tightrope to walk. You gotta kind of be like, mm, what am I really going after? Because this is a silly silly thing but if you're if yeah. you're kind of in the, the yeah that safe range of under six non-alcoholic drinks then <laughs> i think you don't really need to look at it that hard um once you're kind of yeah, beyond I, that it's like what am <laughs> what's happening here <laughs> <laughs> no i definitely i definitely wasn't planning on, on talking about this but i don't know what but i i'm like i ha- i no longer have a desire to drink, I don't know where that puts me on any sort of label or spectrum or anything. I, I, don't, I don't know what <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but um, I I like the idea of like a separate drink that is for relaxing and social occasions rather than a, a, you know something water. that you drink rather than water or you know the kind of drink that you might have around the house like seltzer. Uh, I never, I didn't drink a lot of soda growing up, um, but soda is just more than one soda, and you're 
That's you feel crazy. Like bad. Yeah. yeah, you just start to feel like really, really it's, bad. It's crazy to have more than one soda. In, in, I in a the prospect. Soda. You know, I'm I'm on the cusp of turning 31, and the idea of drinking like two cans of Dr Pepper is like that's gonna set me back all night. Like I'm not I'm not recovering from drinking two full sugar Dr Peppers. Yeah, so that's why I always get uh, bitters and soda is my kind of mm, evening yeah. drink because it's like oh it's it's not just seltzer. It's a little something. It's got a little more. feedback. It's got yeah, it's got something there, but it's you not also, so much. You, you can't have seltzer as a brand because you already live in a in a seltzer household with your your partner being. That's true. That's she, true. She yeah, the number one lover of carbonated yeah, she's, water. I love carbonated water, seltzer. You know, uh, we do have a, a usually a grand collection of seltzers at at home. It doesn't get to but, be your thing though. You kind of have yeah. to take a back seat on that one. Well, okay. Here's the thing: is that we're both Jewish, so it's so seltzer is very <laughs> is is very is a Sorry, very. You can't deep... let women have one thing. No, I don't. I can't. Well, you can't let Jews have one thing. <laughs> you can't let Jews now have of all time of all times with you know with posters getting torn down. Like, <laughs> I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking. No, about good, it. good for you. Good for you. Good for you. I forgot. I'm a bad host. I didn't even ask you if you wanted to use like your full name. Oh yeah, I'm fine with using my. Okay, full name. Okay, great, good. Yeah, I'm the I'm the world's number one podcast host. Really good. <laughs> I don't know if you've said your all name the yet. important questions. I haven't because yeah. this is of course Run the Julias, uh, the only <laughs> podcast brave enough to cover every cinematic work of uh, America's favorite movie star Julia Roberts. I am one of your hosts, TV's Kevin Lanigan, and uh, everyone else here has uh, introduced themselves. Except for Representative Charlie Wilson, I uh, like to play a, li- a different little game behind the scenes of the Senate, you see. Hi, Charlie. Hello, Cat Scott. I'm a tremendous fan of your work. I know. I know. We go way back. Uh, we went to the same funerals, as I like to say. Oh, oh. Yes, I, and that actually could be true. Um, we just haven't fact-checked. <laughs> we haven't checked uh, the the Polaroid cameras present on those days, but I think if we if we went back to the footage, we might find uh, a commonality. The attendance sheets. Well, there was also ah uh, fuck. What what is hot racist white woman's name in the movie that Julia Roberts plays? Herring. Uh, Joanne Herring. Joanne Herring. Yeah, she's still alive. Everyone. She is. She's 94 years old. And she doesn't look a day over 117 <laughs> from the last photo I saw of her. She looked like the damn Crypt Keeper. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting. Well, we don't have to get into the movie right now because I know that you know that there. You know, we've got to build into it. But it's thank a- you so much for thinking there's a structure or idea <laughs> behind this podcast. But it's because you and Hallie seem to be the two that are like, well, this is a we're taking this podcast very seriously. Like this is a this is a work with a structure, with a medium, with the with a frame. <laughs> and thank you for respecting. Well, us. well, no. Here's the thing: is that I like to throw the medium into chaos. Mm. I like to. Uh, Subvert to bounce it. back and forth. Like Charlie it. Wilson like threw Char- the Mujahideen into chaos. Yeah. Or the war between the Mujahideen and, and Russia and, into and chaos. The, uh, yeah. Um, they weren't Russia. Russians. They were the USSR. Oh, I'm so sorry. Revisionists. These communist revisionists that, you know, they always think that, oh, Stalin did everything wrong. Oh, Stalin did everything wrong. I'm sorry, Kevin. What? <laughs> And this, I don't know what you're talking you, about. So this isn't a visual medium. So Yari's kind of giving TV's Kevin Lanigan like a sneer at the moment. Yeah, I'm getting a real stink eye. <laughs> and like, listen, it, you know, I 
I was born in 1992, and, and you know, we didn't always update our globes on a regular basis. So for a lot of my young life, the USSR was just this huge pink blob on a, on a globe. Mm. Uh, and, it, and it remains that way in my mind. Sort mm. of an amorphous, like the, the movie The Blob, you know, just this big <laughs> pink rolling thing that ate up things in its wake. And that is my general understanding of U.S. geopolitics. <laughs> Of USSR geopolitics. Of USSR geopolitics. Oh, and uh, the Beatles song back in the USSR. <laughs> An ongoing uh, joke in our podcast lore from, from TV, Kevin Lanigan and I's um, earlier works was that I have a uh, just like loose connection to Jeb Bush. And that's all you really need to know about <laughs> my lineage and where I come from. You I don't gave know. him the exclamation point. Like, I gave him the exclamation point you walked in and you're like hey jeb just one note and so we've worked together and and those are the the questions around the cia and and the politics and and what my role is um all i really can speak to is that yeah i'm the exclamation point behind jeb and that kind of pulls me into the whole world of the bush family That was your big idea, and uh, it's it's catapulted your your political career since then. I don't have a political career, but I I know a thing or two about what it's like to be around politicians. It catapulted it into a wall, right? It catapulted it into a wall, and then it fell down. Cat, uh, unironically, I do. I interned in two Congress men's men men thank you thank you i interned in in two congress men's offices when i was in college because i went to college for all these uh uh you know major politico types your your sorkin freaks okay Um, okay okay i uh, i i do love a sorkin um a sorkin framed political world i realized i didn't know this was a sorkin work until the end credits um the jump I, scare oh and yeah. it is sort of like i don't it's kind of like reparenting for me to see something that is sorkin um i also worked with a professor who briefly worked with sorkin and i made him have a coffee with me and was like what was it like what was it like what did what, mm, what mm. He didn't he didn't have too much to say because this was again in the in the suburbia st louis small liberal arts school that kevin and i both uh, attended um, but yeah, those are my Sorkin-esque associations. And so which congressmen in which states or jurisdictions or, uh, properties and civilians did you work for? <laughs> which of my contemporaries, uh, did you, uh, work in the office of? Well, one of them is dead. Um, his name is, is Bill Is it your Camp. fault? Okay. No, it's not my, it's not my fault. Being dead uh, he was camp. a, he was a Republican. I, <gasps> I worked for a Republican. Did you like that? Year. Um, No. <laughs> he, put me, he put me he didn't personally the office put me in a place called the cage and what i had to do was kinky um I, you had to check out audio visual equipment no 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 to no even more tedious even more tedious <laughs> so the big thing from this congressman was the congressman in in air quotes or scare quotes hand signs all of his letters to his constituents mm. But there was a ma- you were the hand. No, there was a machine that approx. Oh. I wish I was the hand. There was a machine that approximated his signature. Wow! So I would put a letter in. I would press the button. The machine would have a pen and sign his wow. name. And then I would fold it up and put it in a little envelope. And wow. I did that for twenty-four hours a week of my one short life. 
And then the second one was for Congressman Gary Ackerman, who is my congressman at the time, a Democrat from Queens. And he retired right when I got the internship. Or he announced his retirement right when I got the internship. So I didn't... Was it your fault? So it was really yeah. a party. <laughs> yeah. You were just kind of like, come on, we're yeah. closing down. Yeah, I, I didn't really have to do anything. I looked a lot on Wikipedia. Um, I was taking a class about the modern American president from 1865 oh, wow. to present day. So I read a lot of presidential biographies. Um, oh, I had my. And f- you know about, you know about that whole that whole Jeb family. Yeah, <laughs> the Jeb dynasty. Um, actually, the Bushes kind of uh, slid under the radar, much like uh, the location of George H. W. Bush slid under the radar on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, where he couldn't recall where where was I on the day that the president got shot in my state. I don't know. I don't know. I was, uh, sleeping? Yeah. Sleeping? And I relate to that. Yeah. I think that's an inherited trait. I, I relate to that sort of inability to recall important details at convenient times. Yeah. Selective memory is what we call yeah. it in our family. <laughs> yeah. So I did that. Um, and that was uh, the big thing I took away from that internship was I had my first slice of anchovy pizza. Wow. Um, and is that a metaphor? Were you working no, for a damn Ninja Turtle? Is that is that cage related? No, this There's wasn't cage related. Pizza. No, I, I was answering okay. the phones in Gary's office. Mm-hmm. And um, my first day on the job was the day that Reddit organized a day of calling all your congressmen to make a to make keep the internet free or some shit like that. Whatever Reddit was doing at the time. Um, I remember that. Yeah, um, solving that crimes my- that no one else can solve. <laughs> That's what Reddit was doing. Like the Boston bombing. Like the Boston bombing. They solved it. So my first day, I was answering a lot of calls from people, you know, breathing heavily. (sighs) (laughs) Can you, can can you make the internet free? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, just tell me your zip code so that I could uh, put you into the system. And they're like, why do you need my zip code? (laughs) That voice isn't fun for me to do. No. Um, and then I would say, oh, we need your zip code because the congressman only responds to stuff from people in his district. And they would go, oh, okay. And then they would hang up. So I'd be like, well, you know, like at least Google a zip code in the district of the congressman, you know, um, fools, 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 fools. but geniuses at solving crimes. Yeah. The, the good people of, of reddit.com. I confess I'm not, I'm not much of a redditor, but every so often... I just have a very specific question, and Reddit is the only place that has aggregated a particular piece of information about a camera that I'm trying to use, yeah. a particularity of a, of a sound equipment, a, a, a link to a, a semi-lost film that I'm trying to track down. Sometimes I have to say that place. Reddit is also, unfortunately, the backbone of international and definitely at least english speaking um transgender healthcare oh. and reddit has been the only resource for transgender people like myself to find information on how to safely transition or comfortably within um a normal lifetime and scope in a in a similar vein um you know to compare 
uh, you know, our experiences, our experiences, you Pe- being Jewish. Uh, no, people from my political background finally have a safe space <laughs> where we can post freely uh, on R the Donald. I, you know, I, <laughs> I love to, you know, pop onto R the Donald and, you know, share my memes. So, you know, you get access to safe information about transition. I get to own the lids and, you know, we all get to live happily ever after. And that's what TV Kevin Lanigan is really trying to do. He's trying to sort of like bridge this gap and get us in conversation yeah. with Much each other. Much like Finally Charlie get Wilson, us I'm trying space. to bridge the divide and find a common goal. No, Bridge of Spies was a trying different movie. Trying to bridge movie. of pies. Bridge of Spies was a different movie. It was a different Tom Hanks film <laughs> uh, that Julia Roberts is sadly not in. But the Coen brothers wrote. That is true. And Spielberg directed, and I've heard it's quite good. I haven't seen it. Much like uh, Hallie, who now we're building a canon, I also don't have much taste for Steven Spielberg. Fascinating. I don't really... I don't. Really... Is this kind of how you find love with each other? Like when you're trying to kind of rev things up? Babe, I can't get it up. And she's like, <laughs> E.T. fucking sucks. And you're like, oh, there we go. <laughs> Kat, you didn't even see what Kevin just did. He mimed uh, masturbation underneath... I had I kind of got that just from this the Mm -hmm. if you're if you're doing you know proper pantomime it's a whole body yeah that's true you can't be you can't be like a funny little guy who like likes to do comedy if you don't at some point try to sneak masturbation into your quote set or scare quotes it's a it's a phase y'all we all gotta go through it and I'm a funny little guy (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think um therefore i am facts renee they j just, cart was they just dropped facts. straight facts right now renee they went. just dropped straight facts right now <laughs> renee descartes was spitting <laughs> renee descartes ate up that thesis <laughs> that the conscious the, mind proves the existence the of one, the self the 100 emoji <laughs> when renee descartes backwards proved the existence of god through the idea of consciousness he was fucking throwing fire no i mean and i unironically like sometimes i'll read a piece of r dash donald (laughs) r dash descartes (laughs) no i'll read you know maybe a piece of theory or a piece of philosophy or something and i'll be like dude was spitting right now <laughs> <laughs> well, like, that so... meme of like the philosophers walking around you're like ah, i fucking wish i had been there Damn, I yeah, was yeah, in yeah. The fucking marketplace of ideas <laughs> buying and selling uh well because like so much of those old like philosophy you know books that we think of are just like quote letters back and kevin lanigan forth. just did some quotes i just around, did some quotes uh, because like it's not like you know books. uh most of these guys sat down and wrote a book they were writing letters back and forth and be like you fucking were a piece of shit when you said this. You're so fucking wrong about the nature of the self and its existence with God. And like, and they would just spit back and forth and then they, we would publish those and yeah. read those in college. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and now Plato now is my life. Now yeah. Plato and now Jordan Peterson has 12 rules for life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Facts. I can't wait till our group chats are treated in the same way. Yeah. Yes. Because in the... It's similar. When they publish all of our many Wonka DMs (laughs) (laughs) as the ultimate treatise on uh, on that. I was thinking, like, we should just, at the end of this podcast, transcribe our episodes, lightly edit them, and call it a book. I've seen people do worse with less. The George Carlin books. Did you ever read the George Carlin books? They were just a stand-up. It was just a transcription of his stand-up. Just his stand-up. Harris Whittles rest in peace published an entire book of other people's tweets if he can do that 
Is he the man behind um, Humble Brag? What woodworking? <laughs> Harris Whittle's inventor of woodworking, <laughs> inventor of taking a Very little good. block and turning Very it good. into a bear. Very good. Very- <laughs> the Whittler. Cat, I I tip my hat to you. Taking <laughs> your points. fedora <laughs> on R dash Donald. Yeah. <laughs> Milady. Uh, but Charlie Wilson. Gender neutral. War. 2007's Charlie Wilson's War, written by Aaron Sorkin, directed by the great Mike Nichols. Welcome to Nichols Vember. We're wrapping it (laughs) up. Nichols Vember, you made it. We made it through the two collaborations between Mike Nichols and Julia Roberts uh, with a couple who independently of each other selected Mike Nichols movies to cover on this podcast. And also, neither of us watched the other ones. uh, No, why would you? Film. No. (laughs) I didn't watch Closer. Hallie... uh, uh, started to watch Charlie Wilson's War and was like, "Why do you like this Fuck crap?" This. <laughs> so um, yeah, so when Hallie said, "said because I do think I listened to our own Closer Pod three different times <laughs> as a self-soothing device, <laughs> like leaving a television on for a dog." <laughs> <laughs> But it's my own voice, which I don't like listening to otherwise. Only in the frame of this kind of pod. Um. And I, I, I picked up a few times different cool things that Hallie said. And one of them was like that she, she liked specifically like psychosexual dramas. Yeah. And so for you is, is the equivalent like geopolitical froth? I, I kind of, I kind of, Kevin had asked me this question. Toothless earlier. political dramas. Yeah, I really am into like, like politics that sucks. <laughs> Like, yeah, me too. Like, me too. I, w- I watched the John Stewart movie with Steve Carell. What was it called? Um, Irresistible. Irresistible. I watched that movie. I was going to say Spotlight. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, no, no. I win. I, I paid, I think, to watch Irresistible. <laughs> um, and I will be watching that next. That was, that was never the hardest question I've ever had at movie trivia was name the movie that John Stewart directed starring Steve Carell and Rose Byrne. And I was like, no one on earth knows the answer to this question. <laughs> I did like his. For, okay, we're not going to talk about the the other John Stewart movie, which I do like because it has a nice Leonard Cohen part. In Rosewood, it. yeah. Or Rose Bud. Ro- Rose Bud is a sled. I don't know. Rosewater. 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 That's right. Um, but Rosewood is a John Singleton film. Anyway, keep going. Rosemary's Baby. Uh, you watched Rosemary's <laughs> Baby by your favorite director, Roman Polanski. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, I I like. It's not even that they're comforting to me. I just find like some perverse, maybe it's a perverse satisfaction in like, oh, the like, wouldn't it be nice if this person's view of things was so true? Because all of these movies are about a guy winning an argument with somebody in the shower. <laughs> That's the whole point of all of these movies is that they're ha- they're taking a shower and they're like, oh, I'm going to freaking own you. And they're taking a shower and they're like, oh, but Charlie Wilson actually was good. He was good. because he And and actually, you know, 9-11 isn't on his hands because he did try to, to, to fund schools uh, in Afghanistan. And it's just, you know, it's somebody just fucking arguing. He didn't do that much cocaine. Not that much. Not that much. Yeah, exactly. His nickname, Cocaine Charlie, it came from nowhere. <laughs> no, it, no, but it's like these people just trying to... Are, like a win an argument with themselves, which I think is 
kind of funny, I guess, but also kind of relatable. It's the drive home from your it's conservative definitely. family Thanksgiving. Yeah. Where you're like, what if I won every debate that night and yeah. everyone was stunned into silence yeah. by my great points? What if I just, what if I didn't sit quietly and pretend that I didn't hear what I just heard? <laughs> What if I had had an epic clap back? I had had a a huge, um, and I'm trying to be more forthcoming and and coming into myself. I I found out this weekend, and I'm trying to also figure out how to turn this into comedy. I found out this weekend that my mom doesn't like me. Oh no, I'm sorry. That's a classic experience, I'll be quite honest with you. Realizing your parents don't like you is like an important step. Yeah. Yeah, to comedy. We would not get along if we were not in this exact dynamic (laughs) based on birth. Yeah, so... How did you find out? Was it confirmed or was it like... Were you in your mom's burn book? It It was confirmed and it was in this moment of I was just sitting in silence while um, some sort of political and then sort of non sequitur and sort of the shower, the shower moment of my mom was happening in front of me. And I was just, you know, taking it instead of really participating. And she got very upset with that. I was staring at her and that I didn't have a clap back. And then she was like, you're just staring at me. And then she stormed off. And then when I went back to circle back and be like, hmm, can we maybe find resolution? Kind of somehow she got at like the person that I've become in the last 10 years is is someone she does not like very much. And I was like, well, at least it's out there. (laughs) At least it's been said. and, And now I can go be a faggot and care just a little bit less about if she's going to see it on Instagram uh, or how, how I speak on it. Because when I got sober seven years ago, that was sort of my moment of abandoning my family politics and speaking out um, on it while also having very little knowledge about politics because my protective like shell my whole um, existence. This is so funny. This is comedy. My <laughs> whole. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm enjoying listening. I'm enjoying it. Um. So. So actually, there and relating is... as well. By the way, I'm like 100% relating. Like a, to be to be clear. Thank you for holding the space. So there is actually blood on um, TV Kevin Lanigan's hands as well. TV Kevin Lanigan has worked for a former Reagan spy and a brother of um, two separate, a brother of George H.W. Bush, a uncle to George W. Bush, and separately a spy of Reagan um, from the 80s. Was it Gustav Ricardos? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if if he ever hooked up with mom, Gus Ricardos. (laughs) The the man whose photo is right behind you in the Skype window. Horrible thought, horrible thought. You ever speak Swedish to your mom? Apparently, and, you know, this is, um, this is, um, something that was extracurricular. Um, Charlie Wilson and Gustav Ricardos used to go hunting for trim together. What's that? Oh, they were in the, the Washington Pussy Posse. Yeah. They would, uh, was not covered on Gustav Ricardos's side in the film, but, um, he was also a, a notorious uh, 
hound. He was hound. a dog. He was a he, he. Yeah. I mean, he, he does he does he, come on to Julia Roberts's character in the film, and you know, who among us uh, uh, would not? Give well, it did his you see that bikini situation. shot? Come on, buddy. Come on, on, buddy. And, uh, yeah, he he comes on to her, and then, of course, Julia Roberts' character is, like, walks away and then looks at all of Charlie Wilson's assistants and calls them sluts, and then she keeps moving, because it's not not an Aaron Sorkin script until someone demeans a woman for no reason. (laughs) It's not not the Bin Laden scene on the newsroom unless, like, you're calling a stewardess a crazy bitch for doing her job. Uh, you're not, it's not a Sorkin script until that happens i feel like uh i feel like we haven't mentioned much uh julia roberts yet i feel like this is a good and sometimes that happens because i will say that when i will i will wilson say that uh (laughs) thank you for speaking my name thank you for inviting my presence in like beetlejuice every three times charlie wilson is invoked i shall appeal charlie's back guys yeah, I I realized this. This was my shower thought about, I was like, I'm going to say this on the pod. This is the one thing I'm going to remember to say on the pod, which is that I, similar to another, I think it was Closer, similar to Closer, Julia Roberts doesn't appear until, I mean, there's the, there's the opening shot, which is different. It's the, we open with the ending, but... um. But the actual Classic framing structure of him getting a big old medal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, but then otherwise, she doesn't make her way into the piece until like, I think that I think that Julia Roberts is the inciting action. She's often a symptom of the inciting action of a movie. Mm-hmm. So when when something's about to when the turn's about to be afoot. So the estab- there's the established world, and then Julia Roberts is sort of your your sign that we're about to go into something new. We're about a, to... A similar structure to Ocean's Eleven. You're absolutely mm. right. Is that and we kind of set up a... And closer. We set up a whole movie and then enter Julia Roberts. And that's how you know the, the reality is about to be a little inverted. But yeah, she doesn't appear as Joanne Herring until, I don't know, probably like 20, 30 minutes into the movie uh, when Charlie goes to visit her down on uh, her giant Texas estate where they are having a slave girl auction, uh, as they refer to it, auctioning off hot young ladies uh, for various dates with people that can afford uh, to buy slave girls at the slave girl auction. Who is... um? Who's Jeffrey Epstein's just j- Maxwell? Gislaine. Gislaine Maxwell, yeah. She's, she's giving Ask that. Ask any two men. Ask any two men. They'll, <laughs> they'll know. scramble Gislaine, over them. Gislaine. Uh, <laughs> I've deleted their number from my phone. Um, but uh, yeah, she, yes. It's it, very like, what I mean, this is. Girl bossing. She's girl bossing yeah. by by selling off women. I mean, the, uh, the, the auctioning off <laughs> dates or offers are like. That is just a culture that existed until like 10 years ago. One of the things that I really liked about the movie was that it really was kind of Julia Roberts did try to play this character with kind of a sense of importance and and Mm -hmm. pathos. But the film itself is like the first thing I'm going to say is President Zia did not kill his successor. You know, it's like but she like really tries to sell it with a level of pathos that like, yeah, the people on this the sickos in this like class of right. people like believe that what they're doing is like 
right and just, and they are fighting for freedom of religion by arming the brave Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan. This podcast is dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan. And like, yes, because she is playing one of those rich people who's in just like an entirely different plane of existence from folks like the three of us, just like so rich it makes you insane, so rich you, like, have never, you do not know what it's like to be a, a human being on planet well, Earth. The actual the actual person that the character is, uh, that the character is. The Crypt Keeper. Jo- yeah, the Crypt Keeper. She was, like, part of the John Birch Society. Yes. You know, like, like she was in ultra-right-wing that date auction Groups. shit was, like, it reminded me of the, that, like, group that, like, Ellie Kemper got busted as being a part of in her youth. Hey, you know, me. I'm like, that's... yeah, exactly. We're in we're in that Ellie Kemper white nationalist society <laughs> no, kind, no, of, the... kind of group. Kevin, you know this, right? I, I do. Okay. I was I was giving you the opportunity to not say it if you oh, didn't want because, to say but it. But I am writing, I am back to one way that I'm processing my family stuff is to return to my TV show that I'm writing about that very society called The Veiled Prophet Ball. But the the one that Ellie Kemper that TV's Kevin Lanigan is referencing is um, this society that still exists in St. Louis, Missouri that is run. It's a patriarchal society run by men and grandpas and dads and sons. um, And (laughs) their ranking in that society, their intergenerational ranking um, is expressed each year in a debutante ball in the order that the women walk in and also the inner sanctum of when uh, women that become the royal court and then the queen who serves two terms um, that year and then the following year and then a 4th of July parade and it is it's kind of like a glorified frat to them because of all of the um, the drinking and the the scare quote philanthropy um but it's also just kind of this like gross uh jerk circle of of Mm -hmm. everyone congratulating each other on the kind of stuff that they do and there there's definitely been ties to obviously the kkk back in the in the early century um and then it's evolved into um a more what they say inclusive society or rebrand but they have continued to keep the veils uh, for whatever reason which mm. look very much like a act- hoods yes hoods something with veils you, uh, you might be familiar with but yeah it's it's and uh, Wait, it's what, something you might be familiar kevin stared me dead in the eyes no i didn't i'm looking at you, you for the might. first time now <laughs> he stared me dead in the eyes and he spit on me as he said <laughs> it too and then he said under his breath something you your people <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's me yeah. um but uh but you you're you're hitting at something Yari, you're hitting at a fundamental problem with the movie Charlie Wilson's War. Perhaps the fundamental problem with Charlie Wilson's War, when you're talking about Julia Roberts playing this too humanly, is that, like, this movie is is with a cast of real-life characters who are some of the most, like, fundamentally unlikable, unwell, destructive people that, that exist. They're absolute sickos, but... And this is, uh, and I have a lot of, like, backstory stuff to talk about in, like, the making of this movie. But, like, the fundamental problem is that we are attempting to make these people too likable. We we have taken Tom Hanks, as you said may, in your Letterboxd review. May I? Please. May I? Tom Hanks 
can suck my ass. Because... Oh, I didn't think that was what you were going to say. No, Tom Hanks can suck my ass. Because... Because... This movie doesn't need a charming man as Charlie Wilson. I mean, maybe, you know, if you met Charlie Wilson at a party... I bet he's pretty charming. He pulls Emily Blunt. uh, He's got all those pretty ladies working for him. He's He's probably a pretty charming guy. He's a charming guy, but... Tom Hanks doesn't know how to how to make somebody charming out of one side of his mouth yeah. and despicable out of the other side of his mouth. He just has to be a charming guy working for the good of the nation and the good of the Afghan refugees. He's America's who were suffering dad. under yeah. the USSR. Like let's be clear, they were suffering under the USSR, but the Mujahideen were one of several like a uh, several groups that were all competing for influence to defeat the to like be the main paramilitary group to fight the soviets and the mujahideen was by far the most like it um like in line with u.s right-wing politics that you could get they wanted the most um like um military support they like they weren't the the people who were fighting for the refugees and you know, the thing that really, the I was going to be meh on this movie and meh on Tom Hanks until I read this on the Wikipedia page, but really, it really cheesed me off, was that <laughs> the original ending of the film was going to be the September 11th plane crash, which, you know, there's a direct line between the arming of the Mujahideen, the abandonment of the people of Afghanistan, allowing a power vacuum for the Mujahideen, which evolved into Al-Qaeda, to, you know, that was, that's the real history. And instead, Tom Hanks was like, no, 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 I don't want my character to have caused 9-11. Right. Then you shouldn't have played Senator Senator Charlie Wilson. <laughs> you, you should not have taken on that part, but this is a fundamental problem is that, like, Sorkin can't write truly unlikable leading man or what he would see as a truly unlikable oh, leading I, man. I would argue always has to I would argue that every Sorkin leading man indeed. is an unlikable But he character. but he has to write them in a way that he appeals to them, that he thinks they are great, smart, intelligent men. And Tom Hanks, America's dad, has to be likable as well. It's just a huge part of his persona is that like very, very rarely, if at all, is he ever like a truly unlikable, despicable sort of being. And like the closest you get is like Road to Perdition El- or the Lady Elvis. Killers or or well, <laughs> Elvis, he should have won three Academy Awards for his Yeah, that Elvis. was a beautiful performance. But but like the, Charlie Wilson's War needs to end like Oppenheimer, where like a man realizes he's destroyed the world through his actions in yeah. the film, through his Which own I blindness. Still, I still don't feel that Oppenheimer did a like absolutely amazing job with them um, all of that, but I it think, but tried. it's literally literally it tried, the, think, the yeah. very end of the movie is like Albert Einstein going like, oh, you, good thing you didn't destroy the world. And he goes like, I think we did as like the ripple effects like spread out. It's not whether or not you think it's fully effective. Like they were trying to put that nail in the coffin there. But like this movie is just like, and Charlie Wilson got a medal, but he felt a little bad about it. And it's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. And part of the problem would also lie with my boy Mike Nichols, who I love. I've I read an entire book about him this year because I knew we were covering two of his movies on the podcast. I've watched 
Is that true? Did you? Yeah. Did you read the book because of? The I wanted to read it anyway, and I'm like, what a perfect time to this read this 15-hour audio book <laughs> uh, by Mark Harris, incredible culture writer. I love his big thick books about about the world of film. And Mike TV's Nichols, Kevin Lonigan, loves a big thick. Love a big thick anything. The Gust Avocados. I love a big thick Gust. I love my curvy Gust Avocados. <laughs> um, but uh, 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 this is what a good name, by the way. Gust avocados. Incredible. Gust avocados. Gus. Oh, not, not Gus. Not being Gus. It being Gusta. Gust. And then avocados. Just avocados. an incredible Greek name. Um, but he... Anyway, Mike Nichols. Uh, I've watched like nine of his movies this year. Eight for the first time. You know? And it's... He is at his core like a humanist. He wants to find small human moments in in all of his assembled parties right any all of his characters he wants to find like what is at their beating heart and honestly he like fails at it in this movie because he was a he was a work for hire director on this like he did not want to do this movie hanks and sorkin just like basically kind of like guilted him into it um he did not care and it's very evident when you watch the movie it's like it's missing all of the Nichols hallmarks. It does not take the time with small, simple human moments or like stage. It, every scene in this movie is staged like characters are in a movie. There's no interesting blocking. There's no interesting reaction shots. It's unbelievable the degree to which like the editing is just like, this guy's talking, we cut to them. This guy's talking, we cut to that. It's just so boring. It's so rote because he's just, he's a, he's a work for hire. Yeah. on this film it, and it's his final movie it's tragic that like a great director's final movie is just this boring ass movie he didn't even want to do yeah that he felt morally conflicted about he's like this movie doesn't go hard enough after this guy but i'm losing this fight to tom hanks and aaron sorkin and and he lost it forever that's that this is why i think tom hanks is one of the hollywood sickos and that's why they've already executed him and replaced him <laughs> with a clone of tom hanks <laughs> No, but I, I 100%, you know, without even the context of Mike Nichols' uh, biography, I, would, I 100% agree with what you're saying. It felt like a movie that Tom Hanks really wanted to do, but he didn't want to commit to the truth of it, to the right. truth of what actually happened, that Aaron Sorkin, you know, probably really wanted to do. I did not know this was a Sorkin joint until <laughs> the end. Uh, it doesn't even same. have, like, his Sorkin bullshit. Like, it's a bad Sorkin speed. script, even by that curve. Yeah. yeah it doesn't also have the... the speed. It doesn't have the... Da, 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 yeah. da, 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 where, actually, I remember being like, you know, the content kind of feels Sorkin-y, but... And it was so early in the movie that I thought that, that I had completely dismissed it <laughs> by the end. So then when I saw the credits up, I was like, Oh wow! Wow! Yeah. And the the scene that is your Skype background, the 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 Academy Award nomination clip for Philip Seymour Hoffman for this movie, where was he's yelling really? at John Slattery. Yeah, mm. um, oh, I, I remember that. that. I forgot Extremely, that was John Slattery. Yeah, it's John Slattery, who is wrong casting for that part because this is supposed to be like a big applause moment. Like he finally stuck it to that fuddy duddy pencil pusher, but John Slattery's too cool. You can't get. Uh, you're like, ah, it's John. I can't be fucking pissed at you. He's too like. He seems like one of the guys. He's he's Roger Sterling. He's not like the bureaucrat pencil pusher who yeah. who gets you us off your de- bad casting. Yeah. Um. And the the that monologue. You know, Sorkin. If he is good at anything, he is good at like 
multi-layered comebacks within comebacks with it like the opening winning scene an argument the, in the shower winning, winning an argument in the shower winning like an the argument opening in the scene of the social network where they're having like two fucking conversations at the same time you know like yeah. that is what he is good at when he is good and that this movie has none of that it's just characters plainly stating their goals identifying each other with simple di- like it's just everyone saying this is what you're like and that's just true. Like, there's just nothing. There's no juice. I will, Juiceless. I will say, I will say Same. that it did kind of explain the you the CIA's involvement in uh, Afghanistan uh, in the 1980s relatively well. Sure. It it told it as a narrative. The accuracy of that narrative is obviously, you know, it's Sorkin. So you know. It's going to have a little, can't this country be great even when we're not doing great things to it? But it it did kind of break it down in a way that was pretty, pretty simple. Um, and to that point, like um, one of the like hallmarks of a Sorkin scene is a character just doing something because the script tells them they have to do it. And that is the scene between... Tom Hanks and the Israelis and the the Israeli guy is like oh but all these people hate uh, hate my country they hate Jews they, you know they fought them and Charlie Wilson's like come on and then he goes like a uh, bubbla I'll do it for you <laughs> and and that's the only like I didn't understand why the Israelis would get into bed with the Pakistanis, like in the in the film. It's because you can't say no to Charlie Wilson. Yeah, it's it's you can't say no to this poem, this little face. Yeah, it's because it's because Charlie Wilson's, you know, he's got too he's got too much swag. He, <laughs> he's his, the Riz King. His, his lines are too fat. <laughs> That's the thing about Charlie Wilson. Yeah, uh, you can't say no. Yes, it's just I don't know. This is a drab fucking movie. Like the fucking scene where that chump is doing four chess games at the same time is just like classic Sorkin bullshit, but it's not done with an ounce of fucking panache like it would be, again, like if it was in the fucking social network. You know who should have directed this movie? And Yari, you're gonna maybe like where I'm going with this. Okay. um, You know who uh, could have taken even just like this exact script and like at least made it entertaining in a lights flashing child's play toy kind of way i'm so curious big king adam mckay if you set mckay free on the story of charlie wilson of gus avocados gus would of course be played by like john c Riley. yeah of course uh and you set him you set big adam free Okay. Now you got a picture. Okay. Let you me... have an annoying picture. What, a bad what, movie. Um, no, 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 So that I don't have to Google something. Can you just like list a few titles of the person that you're talking the about? The Big Short. Don't uh, look up. Uh, don't look up. What was the Vice? Vice. The Dick Cheney movie. Uh, uh, your Godfather, Dick Cheney. Uh, uh, um, also uh, Anchorman. Talladega <laughs> Nights. Step Brothers. Step Brothers. Yeah. The other guys. Yeah. Uh, but but his. His late period political movies, and I quite like The Big Short. I've been really. Kevin, we're about to dis- we're about to disagree on something here. First of all, I agree with you. Adam McKay would have been the boss choice for this movie. <laughs> Adam McKay, I want him to remake it. I want Michael Moore to executive produce Ooh. it. These are my guys. And Kat, you're Kat, you're asking me my the guys that I unironically love in this uh, oeuvre of you know somewhat Milk toothless, toast, yeah. somewhat toothless political film 
Adam McKay and Michael Moore are mm. genuinely two of my heroes. I'm not <laughs> saying that in any sort of way to be funny. Like, I watch one of their movies, and I get, like, jacked up, you know? I... I I watched like like five or six Michael Moore movies in a two day radius, oh uh, two day span. God. This is I, where I depart. This is where you're I, a fucking sicko. This is where the Michael I, Moore should make a documentary about you, sicko. <laughs> I don't. Uh, we, I had to watch a Michael Moore film in class once. In which um, one? Which I, one? I couldn't tell you. Roger and, and I, me. I went up to my professor and I was like, you. you you do know my relationship to uh, this particular. <laughs> oh, it was probably Fahrenheit 9 11. <laughs> it was probably Fahrenheit 9/11. I think it was, yeah. Um, and he was like, no, I, I didn't know that about you. And I was like, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep watching it. Just don't don't make me write a paper on this. I really <laughs> spare me. <laughs> I love Michael Moore. During COVID and the end of the Bernie campaign, I listened to Michael Moore's daily podcast. (sighs) It was two hours long every day. Piped into your ears, and most because I love at the end of the day, I love an old lib with their heart in the right place. Mm. You know, I love just somebody who is who still like somewhat believes in America, who still you know knows that everything is bad but can't really necessarily admit that the whole project is bad. I love these old fucking libs. <laughs> and I think I think that um not I'm not saying no to you. I'm saying no to my own thoughts because I never know how to talk about politics. But I think Aaron Sorkin thinks he's doing uh Michael Moore in the moment of and that's and that's why I love that's when I fell in love with democracy. Like yeah. that moment, I think I think he thinks he's he's doing what Michael Moore thinks he, he's doing he's as doing, well. He thinks he's doing an epic irony there. Yeah. Like in and in a classic trope of an Adam McKay movie, which Kat, I'm not sure if you've if you've seen, but like a character will say something and then it there'll be like a freeze frame and then like a list of all like the the inaccuracies uh, inaccuracies and like the donors to their campaigns and everything and you know just a lot of explaining of heavy-handed political like jargon um and a character would be like oh no the war in iraq is bad freeze frame and then a voiceover from fucking margot robbie would go like this character voted for the iraq war in 2000 in 2003 2005 and 2007 yeah actually yeah that would this is the perfect i have seen some of these movies forgot that that was the style this is the perfect choice to remake this film you and i definitely watched the big short together i don't know about your further adam mckay journeys but i loved vice i honestly don't look up sucked in a way that i loved i thought it was I don't know, it was a way to pass a couple hours. (laughs) Like, I thought the runner where Jennifer Lawrence is so confused about why the general charged her for snacks from the break room is, like, it's an A-plus joke in a a not-good movie. But that is an incredible joke. Also, Kat, I will, I will, I don't don't know if I've told you this. Kat, I definitely haven't told you this because this is our first time meeting. Um, What my first introduction to anything political. I, I, I'm a, a person who I studied politics. I, I am always like been very politically engaged, you know, not even in an activist way. It's just an itch that I have that I have to scratch to understand these systems. 
the thing that got me into politics was getting to stay up late to watch um, Will Ferrell's do the George Bush impression um, in on Kevin SNL. and I on yeah. SNL. I don't know if you're a 92 person. I know that I'm a 92 person. So we would have all had the same SNL cast. I've definitely seen this. Yeah. I've seen this. So mm-hmm. he took it to Broadway, baby. So I watched this. And I'd be, because I, I thought the dumb guy was funny, you know? Strategery. Yeah, exactly. These are funny words. Oh, this is a funny dumb guy, but he's the president. And then, in school, people would talk about this guy as if he was cool and good. Um, yeah, welcome. Yeah, and but I'd say, no, but this is the guy that the that he's dumb on TV. They they talk about him like he's dumb on TV, but you say he he's good and smart. You are TV... summarizing my entire childhood in <laughs> in what is the cognitive dissonance of being a queer person and coming from where I came from <laughs> is coming home and being told, "No, this is a good this this guy. He's not dumb. He's he's endearing. I don't the know Dixie why." The Dixie chicks just hate America. <laughs> and I'm like, "But why why does every single uh entertainment person or any person who I identify with or their thoughts and feelings hate this man if he's so chill and cool the way that you are talking about him but then I would come home or go other places where my bubble would exist and they would be like no 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 this is this is a chill this is a chill and cool guy and I would be like but I've seen the Will Ferrell thing like it was just it was just an entire childhood of being gaslit in different creative ways and being like I how do I get out of this then? And then college, I finally was able to uh, break free. But it was very confusing. I was having the same experience as you, but at a much higher volume. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm 100% sure that coming from, you know, the backgrounds that both of you came from, you know. Yeah. The, the propaganda. Kevin and I have the same exact experience. Too. Same exact experience. <laughs> right. No, but... But it's a uh, you know like Adam McKay wrote those sketches is what I was Exi- yes. is what I was saying absolutely um, um, yeah it's just it he it, this movie is toothless and whether or not he always knows how to use them Adam McKay does have teeth you yeah. know he is trying to use his teeth even if he's like an old dog who most of his teeth have fallen out he's just gumming you know yeah. what he, the bone that he's trying to chase <laughs> after. But like, at least he's trying. This movie is not is not trying. One, and one thing about this movie that I thought was interesting is that it does come from a different era of oh of God. film, where you know it's kind of commenting on something that was contemporaneous, the Afghanistan war. But it didn't necessarily feel like it had to make a heavy handed statement yeah. on it. Or maybe you know maybe I in think- Mike Nichols' view, it might have. But the movie doesn't ever try to draw a line between uh, the Charlie Wilson's war and the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan, apart from the plane that flies overhead when they say, um, you know, you don't know what kind of effect this is going to have. And then you hear the sound of a jet plane, you know, like (laughs) this movie should have ended like the movie Remember Me with Robert Pattinson, where like we discover it's 9-11. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Any anything. 
Um, and you know, you you earlier tried to to even invoke Julia Roberts, but she's just she's doing her best. But like, no one's good in this movie. No, this movie it's only reputation to me before I watched it twice for this podcast. Watched it once last week. Watched it earlier tonight because I didn't fucking remember anything about it. Um, and like. The only reputation this movie had for me was like, well, it's not good, but Philip Seymour Hoffman's good. And like, sorry, folks, he's fine at best. Like, he's, he's fine at best. Yeah. He's phoning it, you know, like. It made me just... miss him. It made me miss him. It and, sure did. But, but be like, you know, wow, I haven't watched enough. I'm glad that this isn't the only thing that he's done because this makes me <laughs> this miss is him. This and... movie. <laughs> <laughs> because this he, makes me miss him and also kind of crave going back to see his other discography because if this was run the philip seymour hoffman uh this would not be my podcast that would podcast. fucking be oh, some of the best spin-off. performances and movies of all time and but he I, this would be Phil our mary Riley. My, my fucking boy i as a 30 year old white male film nerd there's like nothing that will make me cry faster than thinking about philip seymour hoffman <laughs> but like I'm sorry. He's he's not given anything. He's one year post Oscar in this movie, so like he's in a real like Halle Berry Catwoman. I don't give a fuck kind of. Had he period. just done? Had he just done? Um, fuck. What's it called? Capote. One for Capote. Uh, I was like Cabo. I couldn't remember. The Cabo. Name. He won for Cabo. He won for Guam. Uh, Guam. 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 Uh, I I agree. I think I think Philip Seymour Hoffman was better in Along Came Polly. Uh, He's so fucking good in the long game, Polly. A a worse movie somehow. I also, you know, I think that he is uh, he is good in this movie. He's the best part of this movie, Probably. which is yes. which is not a good movie. Uh, Julia's but, trying. Amy Adams doesn't fucking get anything to do. I mean, this is before oh she, was, she was famous. It's She's insulting. one year post Talladega Nights, uh, but this is like maybe the year of Enchanted. Was she in Talladega Nights? She oh is. God, so that means that She's she could who, be in our. She could be in our. Uh, in her Adam McKay. Now, okay, we remake Charlie Wilson's War now. Adam McKay. Amy Adams plays. promoted to Julia Roberts. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Um, and then, you know, we find some other ingenue to fill in for the role. But, like... Isla Fisher. You know who would be good? Hold on. You know who would be good? Rachel Sennett. Rachel Uh, Sennett would be good. She would at least bring some fucking juice, you know? Like, in a decent Aaron Sorkin script, like, the Amy Adams character is, like, a whip-smart confidant. They're exchanging barbs on a walk and talk. Oh, no, then then I think I take that back. Okay. Because I think that what Rachel Sennett does really, really well is kind of play overconfident dumb yes kind of. she, she plays that the really, role really of well. this character is like she is of the of the charlie's angels you know there's the three ones who are just there to be hot and then jail there's bait. the one yeah there's <laughs> jail jailbait as he calls them um but Phil there's seymour hoffman not tom, oh, hanks. Right, tom right. hanks would never be caught dead doing cocaine on camera <laughs> acknowledging that his character has done on cocaine on camera despite co- the fact that his I... nickname is cocaine charlie well yes this movie is like yeah he did cocaine one time in vegas and got in trouble for it whereas his name was cocaine charlie from the sheer amount of cocaine that he did in the halls of the of the senate similar to the, the screenwriter aaron sorkin yes oh, cocaine boy. cocaine aaron cocaine aaron cocaine aaron uh, that's yeah. why his characters talk like that because <laughs> they're all so they talk so fast because he's because <laughs> he's coked out of his gills uh but the amy adams character is supposed to be in a functional screenplay the amy adams character is supposed to be like 
an equal to Charlie Wilson. Yeah. The one, his closest confidant, the one that he, like, again, is exchanging barbs with, discussing actual policy. And she doesn't do that. Like, they, she is just a superfluous character who is just hanging around, but is supposed to fill that role. They wrote the role to fill that function, but without giving her any of the necessary material. She's to a manic do pixie it. dream girl. Tell she is, me about she is, it. She's she's a manic pixie dream girl. I know you guys talked about this last week. Yeah. In many ways, this, just like this podcast is a yeah. spiritual sequel to Hallie's podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Wilson's War, I see as a spiritual sequel to Closer. Absolutely. I see that there there's a lineage between the two films. There is a way that Amy Adams looks at Tom Hanks throughout this movie that like she is playing it like she's sucking his dick like every night. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's yeah. just like a a fawning like adoration she has for Charlie Wilson. Well, I think she plays that really well. Yes. I think that she's it's, a good actor. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it might be kind of it's a weird choice. Um, for her to not even wrestle with the fact that he had that he surrounds himself with like interchangeable tits, you know, as yeah. as he says in the movie, you know, like right, you can't teach him to grow a pair of tits, uh, as yeah. a, something yeah, to yeah. that effect. Yeah, um, so Emily hey, Blunt just hanging out in this movie for like two scenes. There's no conflict in no Amy Adams like between her being the special one, quote unquote. And um, the other, you know, dr- middle school drawings of a stick figure with two giant circles <laughs> in the middle that Charlie Wilson clearly you has know, employed. Has yeah. employed. Um, well, I think, is... yeah, I think because Amy Adams' character, to your point of Manic Pixie, I think is created to be a pick me. A pick me Manic oh, Pixie. A real game. pick me. Wow. Yeah. Which, which could be interesting. It could in, have been an interesting... In a movie with dynamics and interpersonal conflicts, yes. Yeah. But this is not that movie. I feel like a, a, a beanie playing Monica Lewinsky would also be like an interesting sure. turn yeah. for this. I actually, one of the, while we're still talking about this. Saoirse Ronan. This, this stick, Saoirse Ronan would be great. Saoirse I, Saoirse while we're still good. talking about the stick figure boobies, um, jailbait. One of the jailbaits is actually like a very interesting character in a surprising lifetime series good. about, but like I've never seen a lifetime show that was good. But this particular show called Unreal. Um, yes, good show. She's the she's it. the lead of Unreal and uh, oh plays a very God. different character. Plays a very like gr- like gruffy like stinky <laughs> uh mentally ill run around too much assistant producer of the bachelor series and it's this like dark behind the scenes tell all that somebody sold to lifetime about what it was like to be a producer for the bachelor and all of the manipulation and psychological warfare that they inflicted on the contestants to get them to do stuff on camera and she plays sort of the She's really good at manipulating people, but she also has this, like, strange codependent relationship with her boss producer who, like, makes her do things and takes advantage of her mental illness. So she does a great job, and it is interesting to see her and Emily Plunt play such, like, airheads and be kind of forced to do that and also i was i wanted a little more emily blunt southern i was like why haven't we seen this more maybe i've missed some works where she's been 
so deeply southern um but i want to see more of that bring it back no usually she's doing the flat american kind of affectation when she's not when she's not being fucking mary poppins (laughs) i have a question for both of you yes uh on theme for the podcast what did the julia roberts accent do for you in this movie it was fine I realize that she's not very good at holding an accent um, after seeing Mary Riley and then this. I've noticed that they kind of like let her do whatever she wants and for some reason don't like try to coach uh, continuity from her even though like because when she does hit it, it hits. But why not try to get it right each time? Um, Not on her, but on the production side of like this isn't a difficult ask to take a second take or a third take and to like kind of make this adjustment like it's i don't know it makes me kind of upset now that i'm such a julia stan because i have to be for this pod i'm like well this is a this is a directorial error um in oversight because clearly there isn't a lot of care towards um the women characters i think they're so yeah, and also I realized... Well, Mike Nichols was phoning it in, you know, I think... He's phoning it in for everybody. He's phoning it in <laughs> the, whole, the whole way, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And I think that this character is another example of, in a different version of this movie, where we have recasted so many of them. Kate Blanchett was in a series called, I think, Miss Americana, or that, that's yeah. the Taylor Swift movie. But that, um, she's really good in that and she also plays that right wing nut sexy right wing nut vibe for a whole series and i think that is kind of the the supplement of if we were to make this a good movie that is what we would kind of put is we would put that performance there and it's another example of well not that kate blanchett would do it better that's not what we're saying but it it was a different kind of movie that's where that would go. Yeah. Nichols Vember is all about going like, ooh, maybe Kate Blanchett would have been really good here. It's second second movie in a row. Um, yeah, her accent work, I don't know, it's fine. It doesn't, it wasn't as nearly as distracting or disastrous as the Mary Riley accent work, um, which was borderline, just like un, unwatchable. It was deeply embarrassing to behold. This was... Uh, fine. It was fine. I found it, I found it, you know, mostly inconsistent, but, uh, you know. I also feel like a lot of people with accents are somewhat inconsistent when they're speaking. Do you know what I mean? I feel like real people also kind of, like, wax and wane and they drop in and out, you know. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, I can see that. It could feel like an intentional choice if, you know, when they're out in public, she's like, oh, well, I do declare, you know, and then when they're in private quarters, she's like turning it down a little bit. Yeah. Like that could be an interesting uh, choice concerning the character and the way they like to present themselves. And like, you know, but that would take this... some directorial choice and effort. Yes, that, yeah. would, that would take a director who was not like actively selling horses on his phone during yeah, takes, you know, selling horses. Mike Fortunately. Nichols, famous for selling Arabian horses, made millions and millions off of the buying and selling of horses. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know this. Yeah. Hey, um, it's a good book. You should check it out sometime. I, so was the I, selling of Arabian slave girls a reference to the selling to the horses, of Arabian to the horses? Cattle. Well, Mike Nichols also brought a certain level of pageantry to horse salesmanship that had never been seen before. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Uh, and uh, yeah, maybe he, maybe he felt a certain, a certain, but like you'd think you'd take that opportunity and then do something with it. But no, it's just very, 
like this like the rest of this movie is just flat and presentational there's really no like attempt at panache i feel like there's not even like background noise in the sound mix i feel everything just sounds so like clean like they shot it on a stage and said moving on there's a couple of, there's a couple of interesting shots in this movie i i, I thought mm-hmm. i thought the long lens shots where tom hanks is in uh, afghanistan i thought those are pretty where effective. it like reveals the refugee the, camp the, the one yeah yeah, yeah. Let, I thought me, those... let me tell you an interesting sequence choice in this movie for me was like early on in the movie i think like right after we meet julia roberts character there is a very long sequence of a helicopter mowing down civilians. Yeah. And it feels like a fucking Call of Duty level. It was like, yeah. it's such an insane amount of carnage. Yeah. That yeah. happens in the middle of this very milk. I kind of, when I, when I saw that sequence, I was like, do I just not watch a lot of like boy movies like this? <laughs> like, does this Johnny happen Wilson's a lot? Where there's just like sort of like now there's an inner because I, when I would watch as a kid like Born Ultimatum or something I kind of had Hell the same yeah. experience but I, I it had been so long since I was kind of forced to watch a sequence like that and it made me be like is there just like a whole genre and and frame and like pay like is this whole sequence kind of in lots of movies all the time and I'm just not seeing these movies? Is this what's in John Wick and I just keep not going and seeing <laughs> well, John, John Wick? No, John Wick would never. But this is definitely, if you he- were to like watch the direct-to-DVD sequels to Jarhead, like, yeah, this kind of shit is in the sequels to Jarhead. Here, here's where I think, like, maybe it wasn't executed very well because I really, I mean, Mike Nichol- Mike Nichols... One of the goats, right? We can- One of the goats, yes. So I really want to give him as much credit, maybe in imagination, as possible. Absolutely. Which maybe he wanted to do some co- sort of interesting thing where there's all of these back and forth dialogue like cuts happening, but then you know the actual carnage is happening far away from the rooms where these decisions are being made. Could have been that very interesting. Could have been very interesting. Something that is... Adam McKay would have hit it. Would have yeah, hit would've, it with the mouth. Well, no, I don't think Adam McKay would have hit it either, to be honest. I don't oh, think Adam enough. McKay would be able to, to shoot a war sequence. Oh, you know? that's probably true. Um, there wouldn't be enough slapstick in it for him. Kubrick would have been able to hit it really well, I Absolutely. think. But, I mean, Kubrick could hit anything. Right. Um, but I think that... that <laughs> he could hit that. Yeah. He could hit that. Yeah, Cooper could hit my <laughs> could back hit walls. This, yeah. <laughs> no, but like, there is a version of this movie with maybe not the same footage, maybe similar footage, where there's intercuts between these scenes happening in like back rooms and you know shadowy CIA offices and congressional offices where cocaine is happening. But then like the people of Afghanistan are being like killed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that could have been something vaguely interesting. Absolutely. You know? Um, there was, like, a weird not- music choice, too, right? Or maybe just the the landscape, the uh, audio landscape. I can't remember what was happening. I just remember there were conversations and then something about the musical pace, like, the rhythm of it was, like, yeah. whatever. They stopped the short of playing, like, ride of the valkyries exactly which does exactly. kind of feel like what a lot of people would slot into that exact sequence they don't do that but it's like pretty cl- it's when it's the only scene in afghanistan that they have where there's no like 
endless wailing on the soundtrack that like every movie has when you cut to Afghanistan that yeah. like yeah like the Prince of Egypt vibes but yeah, yeah. totally yeah it was yeah. Duragor at the time um I think that sequence was supposed to make us as more right of center audience members go yeah Russia's bad Charlie, and Charlie Wilson right. does need to do this yeah like he's he's coming from the right place because because look this is russia's bad guys russia they're bad bad guys all of them all of them are bad (laughs) and uh these are just some i mean i i guess cocaine charlie doesn't need to be so so flippant about calling afghanistan a pile of rocks and i guess philip seymour hoffman or whoever the fuck was like maybe they need roads there's supposed to be like a sort of bad sardonic character but but and then sort of an ignorance um but still it's it's supposed to be that like kind of like when celebrities go to africa and they like <laughs> yeah they're like hey it's it's bad here guys yeah it's bad here that's that is what we're supposed to get we're supposed to get a very white savior gusto from this I think that I think even that could have been a more interesting thing than what ends up happening, right? Sure. Because, oh yeah. Like the, <laughs> sure. even even the white savior version of this movie could have been at least somewhat interesting or somewhat engaging. Sometimes white savior movies are like entertaining pieces of yeah, film. The, you know, you're like, well, I don't agree with this morally, but it was an all right watch. I I don't know. I feel like you know they try to make Charlie Wilson the white savior, but the white savior usually has some sort of like external barrier that they're pushing through in order to do the white saving but the external barrier that he pushes through is just some guy in a hallway telling him oh we don't want to give them these weapons because they're u.s made um and then he handles it pretty quickly he handles it really really quickly like the there was no there was no juice to to even no. his desire to be the white savior. This is a movie made without passion. These characters do not express passion. Mike to, Nichols uh, did not express passion in the making of the movie. It's just like every scene is a tepid exchange of slightly pithy dialogue that solves all of their problems a hundred percent of the time. And it's like, we need more money. Where do we get more money? This guy will give us more money. And it's like, there's no tension to any individual scene. What do you guys think the box office gross on this was? Or the box, not, yeah, what do you think the box office gross was? Well, I think it was a, I think it was a feel good movie. I have no idea. I guess it would be in the hundreds. 120 million. Yeah. 120 million. This is a smash hit. Yeah. This movie made more money than like the Marvels is about to make. Yeah. You know, this this movie made more money than The Flash. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, but this is this is I think part of this larger point where like these political dramas and thrillers can be made in this way because nobody actually has anything to say about this. Yeah. Nobody actually cares about it. People just like kind of like feeling informed feeling like they're like learning about history and the present day but there's nothing other there's nothing to it other than wow look at how that congressman 
fought for our fought for these poor afghan refugees and he did it with the help of that lovely southern lady you know <laughs> and like she's, that's she's got she's got a little bit of a little bit too much of a bite but that's that's because it's unexpected yeah you didn't expect that from her and that's kind of what makes her quirky and mm-hmm. even the even the guy from the CIA, right? He's got a lot of anger, but he's got a lot of heart. Yeah, and he really cares. Smart. He's secretly smart, and he's gonna hint at a few things because he knows more than than we all do. But it's gonna be kind of under the surface. It's gonna be just, just subtext that oh, maybe not all of this was so so great, but we're not gonna really resolve that. that yeah, we're, just we're not even gonna talk about it really, except for the one scene where he's trying to get money for school. So. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about how we got here, and we're not gonna talk about what happened after. <laughs> we're gonna tell this nice little story about the little <laughs> senator that could. And <laughs> they should have they should have ended the movie, and that's the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been like Mike Nichols closing a book and being like, "Wasn't that nice? Wasn't that a nice story?" I it's told like you? it's like Princess Bride. It's yes. like yeah. the, the frame Peter, is Princess Bride. Should have kept coming back to Peter Falk being like, "Ah, you don't want to see this part of the story. There's a lot of death in this part." <laughs> Was that Peter Falk? Because I never know who Peter Falk is, and then Grandpa every Friday. I'm reminded that you have an attachment to someone who I've just chosen never to Google for some reason because I know that every Friday we'll get content that will just show me a little bit about whoever the fuck this is. Just a little bit on Falk Day. Every Falk Day you get a little picture of my boy Peter. I'm always surprised. I'm like, wow, there's still, there's more Falk content and none of this is recycled. But how did I not know that it was the Was Columbo like on for 50 years? Columbo was on for a long, long time. On and off for 30 years but it was not like a regular television you know they would just like every few years they would just put out like a new batch of columbos uh that were all each basically like feature length like short features like 60 70 minutes and and he had something of a robust film career he collaborated a lot with the great john cassavetes uh but of course i think most people our age would know him as the grandpa from the from the princess bride i don't know him for saying phrases like uh princess buttercup i don't i don't uh, remember that being Peter Falk. I'm it's sure. Falk. I'm sure it is, but I just don't remember it. Peter Falk and Little Fred Savage. That's Fred Savage. It's Little Fred Savage getting Damn. read the story of the Princess Bride. That's nice, isn't it? That's nice. Here's here's what I think. Yeah, go okay. off. Okay, go off, King. Go off, King. This movie, it was so like meh and fine that it sucked. <laughs> Even See, the movie. It needed to be worse. Unfortunately, <laughs> I I was someone who was like, it almost worked on me. I wow. was almost that that audience member. Wave that flag. If I had just if I if this had been ten years earlier, maybe maybe fifteen years earlier, I think I think I would have been that that someone in that mass of a, where I walked away being like, I think I learned something. I don't really know much about this movie, but I think, hmm, just like didn't have to think at all and felt like I was being spoon fed, being smart. Um, and it's the Sorkin touch, baby. <gasps> it's the Sorkin Amazing. touch. Yeah, I think it would have worked on me had I he- been a different person of different lived experiences. Um, but I think what, one thing that you know we've all got to do and this is including you the listener you're uh, you're complicit in this too <laughs> oh, no. 
is if you're listening to this podcast about Charlie Wilson's War, you've got to listen to the podcast Blowback. Yeah. Season four is all about both the 1980 um, Russian invasion of Afghanistan and all of these cast of characters that we know and love. I heard half of these names, I heard most of these names before watching the movie, and then I spent the movie clapping like a little boy because <laughs> I heard, oh, Gustav Ricardos, I listened to the podcast about that guy. You you know, if you're listening to this and you think you know what was going on, you got to listen to Blowback Season 4. Absolutely. First half is all of our favorite guys, all of our friends, our Gustav Ricardoses, our Joanne Herrings, Charlie Wilson, Cocaine Charlie. They play audio clips of Charlie Wilson getting into arguments with his constituents um, about his drug use on the It sounds the immersive, podcast. and it sounds like something that I would have just, like, said to you, like, yeah, I'll get, I'll get around to that. But now that I have a reference point like this, this is what I needed. Like, as a student, I needed, much like I needed musicals to get anything right on a history paper, I feel like I needed something like this to be like, ah, the context, yeah. the, the visual characters, and the the medium uh, to understand in any critical way. Because I, I remember in history class, I always was able to answer at least three questions, not because I remembered it from studying at all, but because I knew the answer from a musical. <laughs> and it feels it similar. <laughs> yeah. I- I think it's, I mean, I honestly think it's, like, just a great, like, to associate anything with a visual medium, right? So if you hear these guys talk about Gustav Ricardos and you imagine Philip Seymour Hoffman and his mustache, uh, that is, you know... And his and his paunch. Yeah, but that's you know that's beautiful. You know, we should all we should all be so lucky. Let's just so, think about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, and I think I like agree. I don't know, like this is something that is a complex. There he is, <laughs> the cat. They're mm, they're cheek, tickling. Cheek. They're tickling. Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, little waddle there, and now you're going. Now you're going into his mouth. That's nice. <laughs> I'm sure he would have loved it. Too. He would have. He would have had a laugh with that. Yeah. I bet. Um, yeah. R.I.P. Damn. Oof. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman was fine in this. This isn't something that I watched it and I was like, R.I.P. You know. Yeah. I, I, that's not how I. Felt. This is not. This is not in anyone's like mentioned in anyone's acting hall of fame this is not in the julia roberts museum this is not on her mount rushmore it's like when someone wins it's oh sorry go ahead just and yet weren't there so many oscar nominations uh for psh probably screenplay those fucks in the (laughs) academy those fucking freaks bringing Uh, it back to michael moore hold on i gotta love it because we're talking about the academy we're talking about the oscars um michael moore when he won his oscar for bowling for Col- Columbine. Yeah. He said that we shouldn't be invading Afghanistan. And he got booed. And, and he got his ass booed off the stage. And um, they haven't since nominated a Michael Moore film. They had and for... changed his name to The Chicks. <laughs> they have not since nominated a Michael Moore documentary. They're pissed. 
they're pissed at him. Well, also he makes kind of like propaganda <laughs> films. Yeah, I I, Which, I want everyone to like this, look at me honestly. How is this not propaganda? What we just watched? Oh, it, of course, some finger licking propaganda. Yeah. This no, one. it's not finger licking propaganda. It's finger licking fall no. off the bone propaganda. No, there are some films that are finger licking propaganda. Yeah, like you right. watch it and it's like oh like this is a this is a a problematic piece of art but it just like I kind of get why me people and like, like Top it. Gun Maverick yeah, yeah exactly. exactly but yeah. this is like this is gas station vending machine like yeah. I just need fuel for the next yeah. couple this, hours this kind is, of propaganda this is like the this is like the uh, like a bowl place this is like a dig. Oh, it's a big, uh, it's a dig, it's a Chipotle, where you're like, this is calories, yeah, like, I will, comma, I won't be hungry for a few hours, thank you yeah. for this. It, right. But there's no, there's no, like, substance to it, apart from just no. a general sense that you're absorbing a lot of uh, information, maybe there's some flavors that you recognize, yeah. Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts, Philip Seymour Hoffman doing a serviceable job. But you know, like, you know, if Tom Hanks is the rice and Julia Roberts is the beans and Philip Seymour Hoffman is the various salsas, like, you just know there's better versions of that that you could be enjoying yeah. instead. There's better, there's even better fast food versions of that. Yes, that you could exactly. Be like, I'm not even instead. having a particularly satisfying bad version of this. Yeah. It's not. It's not even the sick satisfaction of like when you buy a bag of combos on a road trip and you're like these are awful for me but they are little pretzels that taste like pizza (laughs) it's not even the pretzels pizza no it's something it's like the it's the walgreens brand (sighs) combos approximation Mm. that is somehow both worse for you and tastes worse. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. This is CVS Nugs. Yes, CVS. And, and I and I and That's I a, ate them because I bought them. But I'm like, why the fuck am I doing? It? And then I got like another bag a week later, and I'm like, why am I eating this? <laughs> and that CVS Nugs, and that's Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah. What a what a what a what a film. What a picture. Yeah. What. A, what a picture. That's how I would do it. Is what a picture. I wouldn't say what a picture. I would say. What a picture. What a picture. Not, maybe not the worst movie we've talked about. I I would still, if you're like, Kevin, there are two options on this airplane flight. Mary Riley or Charlie Wilson's it War. Charlie Wilson's I will War. pick yeah. Charlie Wilson's yeah. War. I will feel like I ha- I'm learning yeah. something, <laughs> something. A little bit of something that Charlie- is like a little bit contextualized in my life somewhere whereas mary riley it it's a huge stretch to be like this has any relevance in my life at all (laughs) outside of glenn close's performance like there's you guys have also just brought up an angle that i haven't even considered which is that this is an incredible airplane movie a plus airplane this this movie honestly sorkin's good on an airplane i watched a few good men on an airplane not that long ago a plus airplane movie because it's an adult drama, you don't have to feel weird about any parts, except maybe the scene the where... Boobies. The boobies! Julia Roberts walking out of the... Well, well, there are naked women's breasts in this film. Yari. Oh, in the first scene, I forgot about when he's in the wow. When he's in the hot tub with strippers, you know and you know that strippers love being naked at all times, not just at work. You also know that a movie stinks if you can't even remember that there's full frontal nudity in it. At the at very the, beginning, kind of like how doesn't bridesmaids open that way with uh, John Ham? Does he does he hang ham? 
I don't think actually. No, because no. he's got you know he's got to keep that for another day. Because wait, do you we know, see do we see Coot or uh, uh, or Dong in the beginning of this film? No, just, just boobies. We see, okay. we do see butt. We see a Hank's butt. It might be a butt double, but we see Charlie's butt. Oh, we also see we see Mark oh, Derriere. Oh my Derriere. god! Wait, yes. There's a part to this movie that did leave an impression on me yeah not a sexual impression well maybe a sexual when not- julia got out of the pool i was like well thank god for you know this movie uh, you know not- but when when charlie wilson has some you know one of his many women over at his apartment mm-hmm. and she s- keeps asking him if that's his girlfriend and he keeps the saying blunt. no yeah oh, is that emily blunt it's emily blunt oh well he is like fingering her belly button throughout that whole scene love it I love and, that. And I got to say, like, that is one of on. the most perverse things that uh, Tom Hanks has ever done on film. Without a doubt. I think, That's like... That's what's so funny about this movie is, like, it it is about a man who must, must be perverse in some way. And they just refuse by having... And I think that was such an interest... That is the most interesting choice about this movie. Yeah. yeah. They just won't do it until he plays the colonel. And he's like, my boy was doing his wiggling. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I actually found... I, I'm not being ironic here. I found the part where he's like putting his finger in the belly button. Not erotic in like an I was aroused way. But I was like, oh, this is something that's kind of specific to a sexual situation. Yeah. It's, it's the a- closest we get to like a real Nichols kind of like, oh, here's a le- weird little like human moment, yeah. a weird human observation. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, two characters who are intimate with each other and one of them, you know, they're like kind of touching each other and one of them just like kind of sticks his finger in the belly button, you know, yeah. that's a specific human interaction that could happen in a sexual situation. Yeah. And I thought that that was um, effective. Yes. I thought that that was uh, a choice. Titillating. From, uh, not even, and I wasn't titillated by it. You know, I was watching porno, you know, later. <laughs> but it was day. like a choice. It was Tom Hanks. Which this movie it kind of refuses to make at most times. It is a choice. And it's like that weird Nichols, like, here's a specific weird human behavior. Yeah. And we're gonna put that up there. And it's like the closest you see in this movie to like what the good Mike Nichols version of this story is. Yeah, I I would say, yeah, probably. Um, Because that's not in the script. No. No way. No. That's that's something they find in the But do you think that's a Tom Hanks? Do you think that's that's a Tom... Maybe he does that with Rita. I don't know. I mean, regardless of whether it's a Tom... The idea originated from Tom Hanks or not, the fact of the matter is... Tom Hanks, who has this image to protect, chose to put his finger in somebody else's belly button on camera during a time where he was not the kind of actor to be... He, he is shown as a kind of, like, sexless actor. He's a kind of a sexless person in most of his roles. Generally. This yeah. is kind of... Like, this is, like... It's kind of late in the show to be bringing this up, but, like, this is a weird point in Hanks's career... Because he's, like, 10 years on from winning back-to-back Oscars. And so, like, this is happening in the Hanks 2000s. So, like, you know, Catch Me If You Can is around this time. This is where he's starting to play, like, slightly more morally dubious figures with, like, Road to Perdition, where he's a guy who kills guys with gun. The Lady Killers from the Coen Brothers, where he is, where he is doing this accent, and he's gonna rob a little old lady. 
Uh, I've never and, seen The Lady Killers. Oh, it's, yeah, I it's, love the Coen Brothers. I might have to watch it. I might have to watch it as well. It's one of the like three Coen Brothers movies I haven't seen because I've heard it's not expressly good, um, but it has its fans. And and this is just it's it's just a bizarre little time in the long career of Hanks, and he just won't commit to the mid-career rebrand that a lot of actors take. You know, they have the young persona, and then you slowly shift into, like, what is the last half of your well, career? Well, I here's the thing, is that I kind of disagree with you. Okay. I think that he is trying to do the kind of more mature actor thing mm-hmm. of playing a politician, somebody with a... Um, uh, you know, some sort of pathos, some sort of gravitas. And I think Tom Hanks does give this character not the not like a Sorkin-esque monologue pathos gravitas, mm-hmm. but a kind of charm. You know, he, mm-hmm. he wants this character to express his power via charm, right? I think that that is clearly communicated. Um, and I think that that's something that a lot of people in their when they begin to become middle-aged in their acting careers, we'll, we'll start to do, you know? Um, but the thing is that he doesn't commit to the truth of this guy's... Con- the consequences of this guy's actions. He just wants to embody the charm. He's not it's... interested in anything that would make this guy unlikable. Even right. though him being unlikable would actually make him more likable. If I saw, Absolutely. if I saw him, you know, snorting lines of cocaine. If I saw if I saw Tom Hanks snorting lines of cocaine, oh. I would feel I would be like Tom Hanks has some freaking balls. Like I would, I'd be like he's going for it. He's really going for it, you know. Absolutely. Whereas, like, I don't know, a weird contemporary at this time that I could see playing like the more acerbic Charlie Wilson is like Billy Bob Thornton, you know, or yeah. someone like that. He's again well, another Southern guy, but he's a lot slicker he's a lot grimier yeah. like and very easily you can see like i see what's charming about this guy i also see the way in which he is like a dangerous yeah. person to be around i feel like um, robert downey jr's character in oppenheimer is sort of sure. like what is the more realistic charlie wilson in a more realistic charlie wilson's war i think that charlie wilson the the person and the character was probably extremely it, like genuinely charming. I feel like Robert Downey Jr. and Oppenheimer was like politician charming. I he's feel fake like, charming. He's yes. fake charming. I feel like Charlie Wilson and Tom Hanks, by extension, is genuinely charming, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the problem is is with the charm. I think it's that Tom Hanks doesn't want to show Charlie Wilson blowing lines of cocaine and having a right. lot of sex. He doesn't do the cocaine in the movie. He yeah. does not do a line. It is implied that he has done it. One but he's time. not one time at that party, one time one the way time that women have boundaries with nudity in films yeah. sometimes. Tom Hanks has with cocaine and nine eleven. But he yeah. loves peeing. Does he? Tom Hanks pees in a lot of his movies. Did he the way that Brad Pitt eats? The way that Brad Pitt oh, yeah. eats Tom, Tom when what Brad Pitt <laughs> eats and Tom Hanks excretes, right? It's like he <laughs> He pees in a lot of his movies. That's it. I mean, I you know, that's interesting. I actually, you know, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Like You don't think I've about all... Tom Hanks peeing ever? He probably pees in the hot tub. I thought about movie. Chet Hanks peeing. Hey. Hey-yo. Hey-yo. No, I think that um, I just, if if he did just one line of cocaine, 
Just one. If he, if he grab, if he like, you can, do the, you can do the movie cheat where he like, you know, the camera's framed like right here and he goes like, oh, you know, yeah. you don't see it, you know, but he's like, obviously has just done it. I mean, is- this is our only complaint. This is our actual only complaint about Charlie Wilson's war is where was the one line of cocaine? Where I was think it? I'm being, I genuinely think it would have bumped the movie up another star bump. and a half for me. If I got to even imply bump. that, bump. that bump, get it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bump. Yeah. <laughs> bump. <laughs> um, is that if, if Tom Hanks, um, did a line of cocaine, he was, in a hot tub next to a woman with breasts. Um, oh, okay. Also, all of the women's, I would argue, had breasts, <laughs> but continue. But they had, you know, out breasts. Out breasts, you know. Outwardly. Outward, outwardly breasts. Instead of <laughs> inward. <laughs> um, but but his eyes were up there. His eyes. He's not paying attention to this lech, lesser no, debauchery. So weird. No, he was watching the news. He was watching, was watching Dan, Dan Rather. <laughs> He's watching Dan Rather wear a turban, and he's like, well, why, why is this fancy newsman all of a sudden wearing one of them religious garbs? And the Playboy model says, like, well, he's in India, and he's like, shut up, woman, in an Aaron Sorkin script, you're wrong. And then they they make a point of him pointing out on an imaginary map that he knows the entire geography. I, that this guy does so have weird. a little something smart you know, to say him. Yeah. Although the other day, you know, um, I did um, in bed, Hallie asked me if I could mm. draw and identify. Play Charlie Wilson yeah. just this one. <laughs> no, Play she did Charlie ask me Wilson. if I could draw and identify um, a map of the United States in every single state. Yeah. Um, <gasps> and I could, I did it. Wait, I was wait, able wait, to wait, do it. The drawing I, I couldn't do. No, the I drawing just had the tough. same. I just saw the same thing on uh, Sunday. I saw somebody do the exact same thing, but someone who grew up in California and went to school in New York. And she was like, "I know that if I show this to the internet, that I will become You're internet done. famous You're <laughs> because, like, this is absolutely ridiculous." But it was the most like intuitive map of the united states based on how people talk about states that i'd ever seen where i was Mm. like yeah if you had never had to find out where states were and was just (laughs) guessing based on context clues this makes a lot of sense (laughs) like the all of the midwest states were jumbled all over the place of course rhode island was the actual island of long island (laughs) new york was not new york state at all vermont was tiny like there were just so many things where you're like yeah the dakotas were all over the place like the carolinas were like more of the the 13 colonies were the most accurate i would say and i was just like yeah like yeah we should all be forced to do this except i do know where all the states are but i I know where the states are i'm a i'm a born and bred new yorker through and through i was walking here since i was walking and bagels um, pizza uh, bagel oh, why'd you say bagels <laughs> why was bagels the first one that you said statue of liberty Ember in, in this climate in this <laughs> now climate. i'm impressed that we have not uh we have barely even a little bit mentioned that the war that is occurring in this present well, very moment and we are well, gonna keep it that <laughs> way 
we're gonna because uh, i was afraid i was afraid when this was the choice i was like wow we're really we're really watching this one right now okay <laughs> This has been on the books for so long. I swear we were not trying to capitalize on no. like current events. No, I you know I I have a series of movies that I could recommend about Let's current go. events because I Are watched they them all Moore? growing up. No, they're not Michael Moore. Michael Moore doesn't really touch touch this topic. No, I think that the real Charlie Wilson would not have watched the news <laughs> instead of six individual breasts that were in a hot tub with him at the same time. And As a guy's trying to sell him a TV show, yeah. it's just like a, it's just a Dallas, weird. It's just but in DC, yeah. you know what? Sounds good. Is he pitching the West Wing? Is that what I'm supposed maybe. to like? I, that's probably the joke. Yeah. Wait, maybe that's Sorkin. Is he? That's probably to be the Sork? joke. Maybe he's. Oh my god! Because Sorkin loves his. Sorkin loves cocaine. God, does he? Sorkin <laughs> loves cocaine. Allegedly, love, he, and the the breast women probably aligns with kind of his his situation i don't know if he was seen with with playboy bunnies um and i bet he thinks that he was i bet he believes he deserves to be of course he was was seen with Kristen chenoweth for a while maybe he's doing the the uh marky mark doing entourage she was like haha this is i'm making fun of my this is me making a caricature of myself and much uh, like yeah. Marky Mark with Entourage, it's all about how he's banging babes left <laughs> and right. Yeah, that he's, that he's so... He's slaying. Yeah, maybe he's a little skeezy, but he's so charming. That... Aaron Sarkin pulls is what yeah. we're learning. Or he wants us to believe that he pulls. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I don't know. That's Charlie Wilson's That's War. That's Charlie Wilson's War. It really was Charlie <laughs> Wilson's War. And uh, that's how the story ends. <laughs> Mike Nichols crosses his legs. Uh, yeah, incredible. Um, no, would not get a would not get a hearty recommend from me. Next up on the pod, Nichols Vember is sadly over. Damn. Um, I would love to continue it next year, even though there's no more Julia Roberts Nichols movies. We could just do it about his great filmography. Uh, next year, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? It's our spinoff. And, uh, spinoff. Hey, if you want that spinoff, the best way to encourage that spinoff is patreon.com slash TV's Kevin, baby. And we will be doing a discography of Mike Nichols and Philip Seymour Hoffman, respectively. Not necessarily yeah. mutual projects, but somehow. This is the only overlap that I can think of. Yeah, so, somehow yeah. finding a thread. We'll cover every episode of Angels in America um it'll be great it's gonna be it's gonna be a great pod so wait uh, which is angels in america the mike nichols mike nichols did angels in america every episode wow i didn't know that mm-hmm. I don't know. what he... a great filmography yeah wow postcards from the edge great movie oh Silkwood? is that the one is postcards from the edge the um the one that's like carrie fisher and debbie it's it's Reynolds based on and... yeah it's based on carrie fisher's novel that is loosely autobiographical adapted with shirley mclean and meryl streep it's so good it's really really good silkwood with meryl streep a very like leftist revolutionary sort of movie and uh yeah anyway mike nichols is great watch other mike nichols movies when he's on he's one of the greatest players of all time. When he's off, it's pretty bad. Uh, I remember coming into loss. my mental illness with postcards from the edge. I remember <laughs> being like, I finally identify as someone with mental illness. And this is my 
this is my piece this is my work i think it would also be based on the conversation i had earlier this weekend about not being liked by my own mother maybe something worth revisiting um for our I first nickels recommend uh, that movie anytime it's a great spinoff i have a question it's controversial i guess i don't really yeah. know how to frame it um how would you guys feel i think his name is taylor nanny and he's a comic how would you feel if you went to a comedy show and and point blank the host of the comedy show was calling on strangers in the audience and the first question that he asked usually like being like give us a prompt or whatever but but on the spot asked you do you support israel how would you i mean i love comedy (laughs) it's just that's such a funny thing to do honestly like if it's funny either way it's funny either way if he's doing it earnestly it's funny if he's doing it ironically it's funny it as, as a an audience as a member, I realized what I would say, but what would you guys say if you were at a comedy show and someone point blank asked you that? Were um, you hired by my mother to figure <laughs> out how I'm feeling about the current situation? Because I I have made a conscious choice not to post in the WhatsApp. Thank you very much. I would or yell, tell a fucking joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's my uh, firm response. Tell Those a joke good. at this comedy yeah. show. Those are I good. would, I would uh, probably deflect. Mm. I would probably say, "Well, what do you think?" Uh, yeah. You you got to give the comedian like other shit that he can't resist. You yeah. know, like you got to wear something stupid. Yeah. You got to say you work at like the butthole factory. <laughs> yeah. and you can't resist doing material <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. There was there was a girl there who was very drunk, and she she loved talking about like how she enjoyed piss play and like to a degree also kind of also kind of interesting yeah yeah, like to a degree that like the comics were almost like there's there's too much material here and we can't only focus on you tonight so we do have to like keep moving but like there's a lot here thank you i went to a comedy show with my sister one time and my sister um you know is a beautiful woman and everybody was asking us if we were on a date and every single time I had to say, no, this is my sister. And then, you know, they, they got a, a kick out of that. They were like, uh, oh, dude, that's gross. That's gross. That's It's like, be mature for once, okay? <laughs> I thought the comedy club was a place for mature people. <laughs> I thought this was chuckle. the new town square in Athens, you know, where scholarly minds met. Well, I was, I was sitting at this comedy club. It was actually someone who... My friends, who I think will be a guest for my best friend's wedding, her current boyfriend uh, was like the producer, so the, the kind of omnipresent god mic of the show for this comedian. And so to be in that unique situation of like, I'm not just an audience member, I'm like affiliated with the novelty of this performer in a personal way like i'm in the in the backstage pass you're Amy adams at the auction party in charlie exactly 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 and so he turned to us and it was two girls that i was a cheerleader with um (laughs) when we were all in high school and one of the comics kept the guest comics kept referring to us as the Sarahs because we all looked like different versions of each other. And it was just, 
it was a it was a weird <laughs> vibe because I was like, well, you know, I'm not I'm not a girl, but I'm not going to bring this up on a on a comic platform because it already does not feel like a very safe space. So I'm just going to enjoy yeah. the costume oh. and the drag of of this moment and be a safe. Oh, I'm sorry. Did getting misgendered trigger you? <laughs> <laughs> Comedy is about making people angry and telling them things they already agree with. It's not about telling jokes that make people laugh. No, the the things, it, you know, comedians just, you know, I think they should all, you know. Die. Yeah, yeah I, I think stand-up comedians should be shot. I'm, I think, yeah, I'm ready to take yeah, this stand. That's my stand. That's After my the last stand-up show I went to, and by last I mean the last one I will ever go to, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, stand-up comedians should be shot. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. And unfortunately First up the wall. for me, I'm like, well, finally I have good entry ammunition to just dive head in to being a stand-up yeah. comedy. Be like, hey, guys, so my mom told me this weekend she doesn't like me. <laughs> and, like, that's a great – that's just a great way to be, like, career starting, career beginning. Yeah, absolutely. That could honestly be kind of a funny character is someone who goes up and divulges – just extremely intense and personal things about themselves, but doesn't quite know how to craft it into a joke. So they just, they just, uh, the, the audience. Isn't that, a, isn't that most alt comedy? Because it's not <laughs> no. really a joke. It's more like storytelling and then kind of everyone laughing because it's like, ah, we relate to this. Like they're not, they don't feel like repeatable like jokes, like packageable jokes. It more feels like, hey, I'm having a conversation with you and you're not a therapist. But I'm. But my thing about the character is that it's just there's no joke. There's like no punchline. You're just saying it and expecting a laugh. Oh, expecting the laugh. Yeah, you're just saying it and you're expecting the laugh. I, I so do. My unfortunately, mom told me she doesn't like me. <laughs> Moms, am I right? <laughs> Moms. <laughs> so I can't ingest gluten. <laughs> Come on. Uh, it does. It is kind of my lived experience because sometimes <laughs> there is there's times I'm not that I'm waiting. That's the distinction is I'm not I'm never like waiting for the laugh. But there are times where I say one thing to one room and it gets a laugh. So then my wires get crossed. So I'm like, this is funny. So then I say it to a different room. But usually the difference is like I'll say something to an AA room and they'll find it very funny. And then I'll say it to regular people and they'll be like, are you okay? <laughs> it's really, it's really about the crowd that you're in. Yeah. You know, it's you got to know which rooms to work. Yeah. That just, just that just comes with being on the road. You know, you got to start yeah. going to AA meetings across, across the country. <laughs> Cause AA, which I have and around the world. And what's fun about AA is you can go in there and be like, I want to, you know, I, uh, for me, it was recently, it was like, I found a flea on my cat and my first thought was to kill myself. And like, <laughs> everyone laughed. Yeah, it's like a great room for that because I'm saying it with earnestness and everyone's like, yes, I can relate to that. But then you say it to other people and they're like, that's dark. Are you okay? Are you able are you okay? to talk to anybody? Okay? Do you need someone? <laughs> no, I have, I think, almost the exact same experience. I think people who know me know that when I'm divulging something uh, dark, it's usually you know, to some levitous end, yes. you know, I'm, you know, uh, I'm pretty earnest about, you know, my foibles and my struggles and, you know, all that stuff. But usually when I'm around other people, at least the idea that I'm divulging it and I'm aware that it's kind of maybe a bummer thing is enough 
for people to be like, oh, we're laughing because we know that, you know, we're sorry. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so pity is great for comedy. <laughs> what if someone felt bad for you? Yeah. I mean, isn't that, you know. What if an audience of thousands of people felt bad for no, you? The careers have been built off of worse bits. Boy, have And that's they. how I yeah. get myself through kind of every creative struggle that I've ever had is mediocre people have gotten a lot further by doing a lot less. Usually it's straight white men have gotten a lot further by doing a lot less, but then to, you know, when I'm not in, in, in queer crowds, I'll, I'll modify it to mediocre people, but it would be <laughs> synonymous to me. <laughs> anyway... Maybe you're gonna be the one that saves me. And after, and after all, oh. you're my Charlie Wilson's wall. <laughs> <laughs> Any closing remarks on um, this property? Again, it's another movie where Julia Roberts is in it, but we Just don't present. spend a lot of the podcast talking about it. There's really not much to report. She does her best. She does the best she does of what she's best. given, and that is unfortunately, I'm realizing a lot of Julia Roberts' works. It's she does the most you can do for what she is given. Yeah, yeah. we're also kind of on a we're on a weird streak. You know, we were kind of covering some some A material for a little while. Yeah, and you got to hook been in these, in these doldrums because you know we can't save. Charlie Wilson's war to the end, you know, we can't save all the the duds towards the towards the end. So we got to we got to kind of we got to we got to mix, we got to mingle. What's it what's interesting cuz I remember on Hallie's episode you guys asked if this would be on uh if if closer would be on Julia Roberts Mount Rushmore. Yeah. You all said no, but maybe on Natalie Portman's Mount Rushmore. Yeah. I don't think this would be on the Mount Rushmore of any single person no. involved. Not on Tom Hanks. No way. Not on Philip Seymour Hoffman's. No. Not on Aaron Sorkin's. Not on Amy not on, Adams. Not on Amy Adams. Not, <laughs> not on, on Mike, Mike Nichols. Nichols. Yeah. This is a. This is a. Not on the cinematographers. No. Not on the editors. And yet nominated not, for a number of Oscars. Is not on Ned Beatty's. <laughs> yeah. No, just all around a forgettable movie you described watching it last night and then showing up today and being like i don't remember anything about this movie. yeah a <laughs> true so much <laughs> true in one ear out the other experience um it's just watch almost any other movie that anyone involved has ever made <laughs> uh you will get a more fulfilling experience uh, my concluding thought r.i.p mike nichols r.i.p philip zimmer hoffman two of the greats uh, but just they're not. You, did they ever, did they ever work here. together? Damn! This is the um, only time that two of the goats got to meet up. Got together. And, and this it, was it. And Philip Seymour Hoffman played a CIA spy. <laughs> well, it makes sense that this spy. was kind of then at end of tragic, close to tragic end to tragic life for it to be something yeah. like this. It kind of is like, yeah, you weren't, you know. You weren't feeling your best. You weren't really. Um, well, the yeah. Mike Nichols movies kind of end on like a dry, dryly ironic note. Often, yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't this being his final movie oh, be a kind true. of dryly ironic ending? That feels right. To his career as a subversive filmmaker. It does honestly you know? feel that feels right. feels right. I would hope. I hope I do that. Well, okay. A uh, good closing question. How do you think the movie that you make about the end of your life uh, will go? What tone? What the, you mean the last tone? movie you make? 
the last movie you make, if it was to reflect the kind of art and life that you created in your time, if you had been a wealthy person, uh, what what kind of what kind of punchline slash for me it would probably be a punchline. What sort of uh, slant would your would your closing work be if it was to be closest to who you were as a person artistically? That's a fascinating question. My because because all that word, jazz is, I think, one of those perfect examples. All, all that jazz is a is a is a perfect movie. Is a perfect movie to end a life. It's too bad that Bob Fosse made another movie after it. <laughs> uh, that is a crime. Um, what movie did he make after Star Eighty? Oh yeah, one of the most deeply uncomfortable hard to watch movies of all oh, no. but he did but he did kind of die very very similarly to the way that yeah. the whole thing was framed so i do that star 80 I, is such a bad coda to a career that the fossey verden miniseries with sam rockwell and michelle williams skips it entirely <laughs> just does not invoke star 80 uh ends with all that jazz uh, and i respect that creative decision honestly um but uh, i think just given my my work, when I put pen to paper, it would have to be something completely silly and unreal. The 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 you know my my scripts are not adhered to a base reality. Uh, I like to think the emotions are real, but the the circumstances are are nuts. And I like to think it would be some kind of silly lark that doesn't have anything to do with summarizing an entire life or even something at all profound, but its lack of profundity leaves the viewer who knows I am dead with a sense of, like, profundity. Like, he went out just doing something goofy. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the the weatherman that that um, only says if it rules outside or doesn't rule outside, it feels like the right. I hope the last thing I ever do is post sucks outside and <laughs> I die. <laughs> it's and it's on Falk Day, so, so you have, a, see, have a sucks outside, have, have a Falk. <laughs> Have a we regret to inform you that TV's Kevin Lanigan has, has passed away. away at the ripe old age of 99. He this lives behind, you know, a wonderful wife and several children, <laughs> and, but also it sucked outside and he died. <laughs> yes, I think the proper way for me to die is having completed some grand, strange project that makes you ask, why did he do that? <laughs> what compelled him to do this? <laughs> what intrusive thought. I, yes. I think for me... It's it's tough because I don't, you know, I don't know if I try to adhere to a specific, like, voice or not voice or anything. Like, I don't know. There's themes that pop up. There's, you know, uh, you know, there's contradictions that I'm always wrestling with and the kind of stuff that I like to do. Um, but I don't know if I have... It's just like, you know, before the pod, I don't remember if we were recording or not for this, but Kevin said that I couldn't do voices because I myself am a character, you know? Yes. Um, so it's hard for me to embody somebody else because I am very much myself. In that same way, I think it's very difficult for me to imagine what a reflected story of my own life would be, you know? So it'd probably be something existential it'd probably be something you know that fights itself i would say um it'd probably be something that questions the very premise of 
why even make a final movie that reflects the fact that it is a final movie? You know, I'd say mm-hmm. that, you know, something that is, that's more interested in these meta questions of what it's like to actually make a final movie than it is in actually making the movie. Yeah. I would say. It feels like, I think it would definitely be produced by HBO and it would be more limited series and it would be more <laughs> in the camp of like, Nathan for you, John Wilson's whatever. It, you're just like you know a guy, and it follows yeah. you as a guy. It would it would be Synecdoche, New York. Yeah. It would be the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be. I mean, I I you know I would never compare myself to somebody as incredible as Bob Fosse, but it would have the same kind of existential. Um, self-reflexive tone as all that jazz I I think you know it would as if you know I have any <laughs> even even amount of of that's the, one we're, we're just we're exercise. just we're, it's yeah. fun we're having fun here yeah. yeah but that's what that's what I that's how I think I would probably like to go that's beautiful yeah I think mine would end obviously with a campy musical number there would be bisexual lighting it would mostly be a mockumentary um it would probably start with true crime but then (laughs) (laughs) end with uh somehow get from a to b to c um in a way that's like huh that's creative i wouldn't have been able to think of that huh fun fun watch fun interesting sad interesting um, <laughs> I think it would be that. Hell yeah! Yeah, absolutely. I think your final work, whatever it is, would be very forthcoming. You're 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 someone who loves to provide details about your life that other people, myself included, would be like, "That's oversharing." Embarrassed to share? <laughs> yes. That, like I'm like I wouldn't like I wouldn't produce a PowerPoint presentation of all of my romantic failures from the last calendar year, but <laughs> yeah, you I did that would last and birthday. have, and yeah. I have watched it. And like, that is a, that is a, a bravery or a lack of self, uh, 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 consciousness, self-consciousness that I just simply don't possess. And I'm, a, I'm envious of it. Or in it's many a ways. reclamation of self-consciousness in which it's like, I feel self-conscious. And so I'm going to do this in spite of it. Going to own the self-consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what it is. But yeah, for my birthday uh, last year, I made a PowerPoint presentation of not just romantic failings, but all sexual and romantic failings of the calendar year. And I do think maybe yeah. that is what I will be doing. We're coming up on my Spotify wrapped of my romantic life, <laughs> which has been way, way thinner than last year. So I'm going to have to find some some interesting anecdotes of all the ways that I failed and maybe lovably failed It'll be hard to, because a large portion of it has been one specific plot that everyone but the person is clued in on in my entire life. Right. So that'll be difficult if said person attends said birthday. But anyway, yeah, that is probably the woman in me, but it wouldn't be woman, the them in me. (laughs) <laughs> by the they Spears. them in me <laughs> <laughs> it would be that kind of vibe I, which i've been enjoying on audiobook michelle williams is the um voice actor for britney spears in the audiobook of the woman to me by britney spears and it's been very yeah. entertaining i have that on on hold at the old library i'm just waiting my turn in line 
Yeah, you're like 1,057. Sounds like a metaphor for death. Ain't it? Yeah, I was like 1,400th in line when I <laughs> when I last checked. I haven't checked in a little bit. Uh, you know what? This is we we can see where I'm at in the Britney Spears audiobook line. That feels like a good ending to Charlie Wilson's War. Feels like yeah. a good ending. While I'm looking that up, <laughs> uh, you know, Yari, thank you for for joining us. Wonderful guest. Thank wonderful you very episode. much. I'm I, so I'm so glad to have been a part of the. Uh, the uh, run the julia's universe absolutely and, and any anything you want to share with uh with the people i don't know projects uh, where can we find you um vote um go out and vote if you can um stay online um <laughs> if, you're, if go, you're in line stay if online. you're online stay online um so go vote um no on on social media i have been trying to take a little bit of a step back, but on Instagram, I am at Yari NT. That's Y A A R I N T. Again, Y A A R I N T. Um, I have a Twitter, but I like the followers. Sorry, you got named X again. I just have to correct everyone. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Um, I, on no, X, please don't say X. <laughs> that's okay. I, uh, so I, I kind of like the follower count that i'm at i deleted a more popular <laughs> account and restarted it from scratch but i am there at yari nadav tall y-a-a-r-i-n as in nancy a-d-a-v-t-a-l follow me if you want i don't tweet that often um and um oh uh definitely listen to blowback season four <laughs> definitely and listen the other seasons of blowback. and the other seasons of blowback but if you tuned in for charlie wilson's war you definitely gotta you to gotta season. listen to season four and then season one because that's also about uh that's yeah, more about iraq but yeah. it's uh you know i really like the cuba season personally season Cu- two cuba season is good it's cuba all season good. it's I mean, all good korea season was good too just listen to blowback folks it's all good um anything else uh i got uh movies i might i'm gonna try to get a get a festival run going for a film that i made um but i will announce those on my socials so keep your eyes peeled for any information related to the film couscous hand rolled with olives hell yeah that sounds good especially because i'm hungry (laughs) 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 it sounds really nice um I'm Cat Scott online on Instagram. I'm trying to be also on my Instagram less. I have a secret meme account. I'm not going to give you the app for that. You just have to find it. Um, and I remain single, um, but I'm out there. I've, <laughs> You're ready to mingle. I started substitute teaching today. Today was my first day substitute teaching, and I was asked three, yeah. three times um, if I was a boy or a girl, and each time I said both. Um, so if you want <laughs> to know, answer. if you want to know uh, what you know types I will date, um, it's it's any and all mostly, except for straight people, because you can't be straight and date me at the same time, which is kind of a superpower. Um, what else is fun about me? I like long walks on the beach. I'm sober. Tomorrow I hope to have seven years sober. Congratulations. Um, Thank you so much. (laughs) I didn't do it. It was the support of the people around me. (laughs) And what else? I live in Los Angeles. I have a black cat. 
Yeah, I think that's that's all everyone needs to know for this this particular episode of Run the Charlie Wilson Run. <laughs> run Charlie like Forrest Gump. Yeah. Run Charlie Wilson Run. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I would just like to say, uh, Julia, thank you for listening. Thank you, I, Julia. I know you are out there and Your you are listening. And thank you so much. Your support is what we want more than anybody. Um, <laughs> she subs to the Patreon. She subs to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash TV's Kevin. I hope you feel Julia seen when we acknowledge that you're underserved often you're underserved we're gonna tell you we're gonna tell you how it is you know and uh and sometimes sometimes with someone you love sometimes you got to be a little tough yeah. sometimes you got to be actually this wasn't it this wasn't yeah. the move you did your best wasn't good enough better luck next better time, luck Sam. next time you've been you've been great other times um and uh yeah patreon.com slash tv's kevin julia for as little as one dollar a month you can get archives of old shows uh, as well as exclusive uh stuff you can support me writing a book etc that's patreon.com slash tv's kevin you get early access to this show patreon.com slash tv's kevin uh and i'm tv's kevin lanagan on all the stuff but you already knew that listen to movies for babies the other show that i do and uh also about movies also about movies um you know i've I've done podcasts about all kinds of things broadway and uh, uh, uh various careers and various things but movies for babies is where it's at and that's a very funny show and you should listen to that if you like this and you like me you will like that julia roberts um and uh coming up next on run the julia's our december episode we have something that we've never done before we're gonna be talking about a new movie we're gonna wow. be about a, talking about a movie that'll be coming hot off the presses um, and neither eight. of us are um sag affiliated so i guess we are allowed to promote tentative strike deal has been reached for a potential new three-year contract and we hope that that is. You should do the whole podcast not naming the film. not naming the film. <laughs> not naming the film. Mystery Netflix film. Yeah. Um. You know what? Yes. If the if the strike is not resolved, we will not be covering this film. No, you should are, you should cover it, but just, just make not sure, name it. You should bleep it no, every time. It should be twenty twenty three Julia Roberts project. Incredible. Yeah. Well, yes. I will. I will not uh, name the the twenty twenty three Julia Roberts Netflix project uh, right now, but you'll know it when it comes out. Uh, starring Mahershala Ali and Ethan Hawke, directed by the the maker of Mr. Robot. Uh, I'm excited to see what this film is all about. The 2023 untitled Julia Roberts Netflix project sounds pretty good, actually. Uh, Maybe yeah. I should go check it out. Those are all of my favorite things. I should I should check we it out. Can't, I we should can't support confirm the or deny. Yes. In their time of yeah. need. So Kevin, can't is, so confirm or Kevin deny has convinced or... me to go watch this movie on Netflix, starring all of these actors. It sounds pretty it's good. It's not out yet. You can't listen to it. Uh, it's not even in its brief theatrical run, so it can qualify for Academy Awards. <laughs> but uh, yes, but until then. Uh, I would just like to say that Charlie Wilson did nothing wrong. <laughs> That's what I learned watching Justice this movie. for Charlie Justice Wilson. For Charlie. Charlie Wilson did nothing wrong. R.I.P. I don't know if he's dead. Yeah. He just, he is, he just he's died. He died in 2010, I think. He just a simple Southern lawyer. He was just a simple Southern lawyer who wanted the Mujahideen <laughs> to have the the most expensive gun. Representing the second Texas district of the and he'd given the guns. He to was the, just representing his constituency. His constituency the, of the Mujahideen fighters <laughs> in Afghanistan. <laughs> this podcast has been dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters of Afghanistan. <laughs>
Thank you.